Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us as always. Today, I'm joined with a Mr. Yannick Constantine, and he's a guy I have a lot of respect for. He's very, very knowledgeable about nutrients. He's also a Dr. Wallach uh, fan or enthusiast, maybe we could say, and that's how we kind of connected on the on the Instagram there. Uh, but he very much has his own takes on things, and he has his own program, his own way of doing things. So I'd like to talk to him just about the nutrient business in general, how he got into it. You know, experience he's had with people and the types of uh, doses and stuff he uses. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Before we really jump into it, remember that you can find everything that I do on my website, notusbooks.org. There you can find all the books that I've written and helped publish. Most of them are about health. I also have hundreds of book reviews. Again, most of them are about health. There's also an archive of this podcast on the website. And there you can download all the episodes for free. There's even some secret episodes there that haven't been posted since uh, this podcast got taken down last year, 2023. We relaunched, but not every episode is up yet. So some of those are on the archive on notusbooks.org. And actually, if you listen to the archive version, there's a special treat for you at the very end. And if you'd like to support this podcast more directly, you can do that on patreon.com slash therealnotus. All of this is in the description of the podcast, of course. We don't get paid for anything like views or we don't have any ad revenue here on the podcast. So everybody who helps, including all the guests and anyone who helps edit, everyone does this for free. So Patreon really is the best way to directly support. And you get all the episodes there at least one week early, sometimes several weeks early if I'm really on top of things. And there's also some extra content there. Some of the videos that have been taken down off of YouTube. YouTube hates health information. So we post them there on Patreon and we do a weekly Zoom meeting the other supplement distributors and myself, we tend to go into uh, details on health problems, specific health problems, especially the complicated ones, specific deep dives on nutrients. And we usually go through a case or two in real time talking about what we do for that person. So those lives are really valuable, I do think. And you can see them all on Patreon. Big thank you to the patrons that are currently there. We would keep doing this without the support, but it goes a long way. I would definitely love to be able to... uh, share some decent revenue with all the people that help and allow us to make even more content and better content, etc. 
In with all of that out of the way, Yannick, we can jump in. How you doing? Who are you? Where'd you come from? How'd you get into this business? Hey, Ryan. Well, thank you very much for the um, inviting me. Pretty much, you know, what you're saying, what you're doing is something I already did as well. <laughs> you know, reading so many books and jumping into um, learning about health. And obviously, just like in your case, I had a really big motivator, which was lack of my own health. <laughs> so since I was very young, I would get sick all the time. I mean, I would get sick. I would need antibiotics probably like twice a month at least. I, I really had no idea what it was. I just knew I was, you know, sick all the time and, and doctors would always just prescribe what they, what they knew, right? Which had absolutely really nothing to do with what was going on, which is food sensitivities, you know, gluten intolerance, talk a lot about that. Oh, it's all these other types of proteins you can't absorb and a bunch of other stuff, right? So yeah, that's pretty much how I grew up. Then eventually I got asthma, right? So asthma had a had to come in when I was about, I don't know, like 13, 14 years old. And um, after that, I got epilepsy. Well, I had always had a certain levels of epilepsy. I would just like start s sitting when I was sleeping and talking and then, you know, walking and um, and then just like um, having se other types of seizures, right? Which I didn't know were seizures. Or since you're asleep, you don't know what it is, right? Because you're um, not conscious. So it used to happen more there. And it just like kept on going into my 20s. It got really bad. I was working for companies. I started becoming um, independent and I was more into investment and trading and other type of stuff. But there was a point where I could not function at all. So, um, what age so do you think I, you were around that time? I was about 27 years old. Right now I'm 37, but okay. I was 27. It started getting really bad. Probably when I was 30, no, more like, um, I started like reading and learning before I, you know, uh, dropped, the, um, stopped working for companies, right? And, uh, prepared myself to exit and all this stuff. But yeah, so then, I shifted. I actually shifted because I was preparing a presentation and I bumped into something called EFT, right? It was like, you know, this five minute um, podcast and they were doing some EFT and I'm like, okay, I didn't believe any of that. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. Right. So I started like tapping, you know, it's known also as tapping for trauma and other things. And I started doing it and then I felt way better. So I was like, what the heck was that? <laughs> you know, it was just so different. You know, I started reading and it was like, oh, this, this, this is a sham. And, you know, all these types of comments you can read. And I was like, oh, doesn't matter. I know what I felt. I know what I saw. Because I, I even remembered where, you know, the tension of speaking in public came from, which is completely different now, right? So I started going this route of trauma, of habits, of behavior, and that's actually where I started. Eventually, I, you know, I, I went through that route. I got certified and I started, you know, helping people out in that aspect, getting rid of all that emotional tension and just reducing it. After that, I started bumping into certain cases. Oh, well, first, first, um, at a, at a certain point in time, I started eating completely different. You know, I was, I wasn't just on the behavioral side of the, okay, what you can say, how you can do things differently, et cetera, et cetera. I pretty much got rid of oils, you know, cooking with oils because I had 
severe like um, heartburn. I always had reflux, right? It was constantly, I had to take like two, sometimes even three like omeprazole, you know, iron pump inhibitors. <laughs> so as you know, I stopped absorbing anything, which I was already low because my gut was all damaged, right? Skin mm-hmm. problems, acne, all these type of things. Um, and, and this is in your late 20s with skin problems, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all my life, but late 20s, almost, yeah, going into my 30s. And with asthma being severe, because I, I, I mean, I would have an attack and I would just pass out. You know, I, it, it was it was so bad. I, I thought, <laughs> truth be told, I thought I was a goner eventually. Like, well, I'm in my 30s. And if, you know, starting my 30s, if this is my health, then what can I do about it? I mean, I, I already had, you know, genetic testing as if it worked or helped for something, right? Because no one understands epigenetic. Well, not in those circles and mostly in Mexico because I lived in Mexico City, right? So it was like, um, it was just a huge change when I changed my habit, my um, eating habits for starters, right? So I, uh, I dropped the gluten. Those were the first things. I dropped the gluten, even though I went on uh, gluten-free foods, but it was way better than just being on gluten, you know. You mean, um, you mean like gluten-free cookies and breads and stuff? More like pastas, right? Because okay. I was in the gym, and you have this idea. Um, something I do not share is the the, the cal- calorie ideas. I mean, yes, you do produce calories, but eating one doesn't mean you'll get one or the same metabolic process or the speed or you know uh, accumulation of metabolic waste. Right. So all these types of things, which I consider now, but in any case, just getting rid of the gluten, it made a huge difference. Right. Or the oils, you know, just not cooking with oils. I started cooking with coconut oil um, and then I shifted to ghee because I don't recommend coconut oil anymore. Right. But any in any case, it's way better than, um, you know, all these other seed oils, which are really just made for lubrication, of, um, you know, for submarines and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, it shifted so fast. It was so quick. I mean, in two days, I did not need like omeprazole or pentoprazole or all these medications. It was just two days of switching the the oils. Yep. Two days. That was it. Just two days. I also, there was a point where, I mean, it was like ups and downs. I didn't have energy. Um, I would also start drinking a lot of alcohol. I remember that. I mean, yeah, in Mexico, there's not like this, um, a way of uh, controlling that stuff. But in either case, you know, it also has to do with deficiencies at a point because you start going from this liquid type of sugar, right, with this numbing effect. And then you go for salty and sweet things and you just like go, you know, from one to another, one to another and getting out of that without nutritional, um, well, getting your nutrients in especially um, some B vitamins, for example, then, I mean, it's so complicated. Right. But going back to where I was at, you know, it was very quick, the change. It was drastic. I wasn't even supplementing. I didn't even know about that stuff. And I um, continued studying and, you know, authors on functional medicine, like Dr. Perlmutter, which had a really good book, you know, um, Grain Brain. Grain Brain is a great book. It's a great book. And at the time, it was really good, right? Um, I think the second one was Brain Maker, which was pretty good. I mean, had some good ideas. Last one, I didn't like at all, you know, um, Acid Drop, for example. He just took the the work from another author, which, you know, um, had really done that stuff. And he, well, anyways, 
not to go too much into that. At the end, uh, I started seeing trauma clients that would not be able to shift emotionally, and they all had something in common. They were all taking meds. If it was for diabetes, metformin, if it was for any other type of medication, especially um, like clonazepam or, you know, all those benzodiazepines, which really just sedate you. Nope. Right. But you just, they were just so stuck. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So um, at this point, I was much healthier. I, I wasn't even having seizures. I wasn't getting sick. I wasn't, I, I had no asthma, right? It, it, it was in that aspect, it was really quick. I didn't even get to supplementation. When I did, it was just a huge difference. And it took, you know, a few years and I just kept on changing. And I was like, where, where, do, where do I plateau, right? So I'm not giving you like exact time frames or anything, but just like the story of how I started shifting, I started getting more energy, how I started sharing it, how I uh, started noticing the impact on um, behavior, on trauma, on habits, you know, because if you feel like crap, I mean, if you're having sugar spikes constantly, right, you're getting hangry all the time, you're just not being able to sleep, right? You can't rebuild when you're sleeping because you don't have enough cofactors. And how can you function, right, in a healthy way? How can you be um, like inspired, motivated, happy? Well, it's it's very difficult, right? There's a limit to that. So eventually, I started studying. I went into orthomolecular. I went from functional, which they still have so much to learn. Um, but in any case, because they don't really go into megadosing or the complete um, set of nutrients, they just go into certain supplementation, but even supplements, as you know, there's a huge difference in the world of supplements. I mean, mm-hmm. that in by itself is, is huge. So from there, I went to orthomolecular medicine or nutrition or you name it, right? Nutrition for medicine or taking parts of food and using it as a medicine, right? A lot of people um, won't know that word that are listening. Orthomolecular is, yeah, yeah, it's like treating problems with nutrients, with nutrition. Yeah, yeah, which I don't even use the word treating, you know, because it's, it makes, it's nonsense for me, but it's just really um, supporting your body, giving your body what it needs so it can do what it knows what, you know, it, it already knows what to do. Mm-hmm. We just give it and we kind of, um, uh, we can, play with um with amounts and forms which you know you study like okay so what do we use magnesium glycinate citrate malate you know which ones which one would be a little bit more useful for this case right but in in any that's where orthomolecular comes in so linus pauling put that word and i was like uh you know what what does he mean like the right molecule that's what he was referring to and i really didn't get it until i started going deep into that, like, okay, like the case, like which magnesium should we use, right? Which would be the right molecule for this case? And that is actually, I mean, it was critical for him. I understand now. And um, that's when I was mostly into vitamins and I hadn't really gotten into minerals. So I was a little bit more into nutraceuticals, which are just these foods like spirulina, which is an excellent, one of the only superfoods I consider. Um, to be a superfood and, um, you know, how to use it. Also with vitamins, the minerals, 
uh, I eventually got to mi- the minerals through some books. And then I got um, someone gave me, the, it was so weird how I got Dr. Wallach's book, right? Um, Which that one? Doctors Don't Lie. Okay. So yeah, that, um, and in Mexico, I mean, it, it, it was just, it, I was where the type of uh, chiropractor, he was actually, um, I, I don't remember his specialty, but he, I was talking to him about what I was doing and he gave me the book and I was like, oh, okay. So I started reading it. And I was like, whoa, this is like really advanced to where I was at at that point. You know, I was like, I was really amazed with it. I was like, oh, okay, so you have asthma and, um, you know, um, essential fatty acids and manganese are going to be really useful or especially magnesium, right? So I was like, oh, okay. So, so I started trying all that stuff out and I went, I started, you know, getting different, um, providers for the supplements and started playing with that and it was difficult because in mexico you know there's like this type of fda but even four thousand units of vitamin a is high for them right so it's like oh you can't pass this stuff so then what are you gonna do right (laughs) um so i started testing all that also mega dosing and i started creating this type of way of how you um well, when you're going to take things. So for example, longevity, it, it focuses on, okay, let's make it in a simple way. So everyone, you know, everyone can get it. Um, it doesn't focus that much on time, right? Like the circadian rhythm or ultradian rhythms, right? But in any case, you know, anyone taking it is better than if you don't take it, right? Mm-hmm. So it has this formula, I mean, Dr. Wallach probably knows all this stuff, right? But he makes it as simple as possible for everyone, which is, you know, a great approach because when I, when I was, you know, with um, different clients, I was like, okay, there was a point where I was testing things like take it before your breakfast, right? Take it after your breakfast, take it in between your break, breakfast. And then I started reaching this sweet spot, like, okay, nobody's getting nauseous anymore. Nobody's, you know, feeling this. And, and eventually I was like, okay, this works for like 99% and the 1% people, or maybe one out of 20 um, uh, clients that had a little bit of an issue, I would just guide him like in one week it would be fixed. Like, okay, so you're getting loose bowels or you're getting, um, I don't know, any type of, of, of complication. And then one week and they would be fine, right? But being able to really get that part, you know, um, created, it's, 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 it's not as easy as it sounds, you know? Um, what so, did you find the uh, perfect time to take the supplements is? Well, first I have something I call the elixir, right? Which is during the morning fast, you know, which is mostly vitamins, certain minerals. You you like um, calcium a lot, right? So important, mm-hmm. calcium, magnesium, salt, salt, incredibly important, um, demonized with no justification. <laughs> However, you know, really good for the drug in this, you know, statin industry. But, um, you know, just a different mixture. And I just see different, you know, clients and just starting the day with that huge huge change right so what they call intermittent fasting i do apply it or what would be called you know technically time restricted feeding like eight hours window or 10 hours window of eating um and i i start like mixing all these different aspects in lifestyle as well so when you take it at what time you take um because i use a lot of capsules and tablets Mm -hmm. but 
as you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very dense for the stomach and you might get nauseous or, you know, things like those. So I, I start putting it like halfway through, through your meal and then it changes, right? So I go into all these different um, aspects of how, when, other forms that are really, I've never read about that, you know, like in general, like when should you do this? Um, Dave Asprey kind of went into that. I, I think he, he, he's good at a lot of things he does, for example, but there's a major point I don't agree at all with him, for example, when he says, oh, yeah, I mean, he, he was going into the don't sleep as much, you know, you can hack your way out of sleeping. And then he kind of like backwalked it and, and to a point where um, he doesn't mention it much because, you know, most of his businesses, you know, like stay away, you know, um, be very productive when you're awake, right? But you can only be productive if you sleep and repair, right? The wear and tear. Of course. Just like when Dr. Wallach points out um, that there's all these people that die when they're doing physical activity. So this is important though. For example, I used to go to the gym a lot, just like you did, right? But I started getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I was like, what the heck? This is supposed to be healthy. So why am I getting big? but I'm getting a lot sicker, right? Yeah, I was at my worst. When I was the most jacked, I was at my worst health. It hurt going up the stairs. Same thing happened to me. I was like, seizures just, I started getting three or four. You know, doctors would just like, give me genetic testing and give me another medication. Then I got into antipsychotics and I I was like, what the heck is it? Why am I taking antipsychotics, you know? But they don't have another tool. So Mm -hmm. they would just give me stuff right um but then i learned oh okay so i would eat a lot of tuna right oh well tuna is full of thymonase right so it's destroying your vitamin b1 it's full of mercury right so unless you um, cook it you can cook out the thymonase but yeah many people are are not they're eating it cold yeah but most people like me i was just like i was in my 20s you know taking my can and just eating through it you know, after the gym and there was like, Oh, well, you know, if I just consider this as calories and, and protein, there shouldn't be a problem. Right. Well, yeah. When you go into molecules and you go into these forms, well, it changes so much. So, you know, in general, I just finished up devising this, this program where it has the behavioral aspect, the nutritional aspect, but also lifestyle. So you just, the basics, right? Okay. So you need all your essentials. Um, even if they're considered right now officially so or not, just having all that, all, all those different minerals, vitamins, or and also food factors. I also like using adaptogens a lot, right? I also like using um, certain antioxidants in a certain form, right? So it gets to your brain because I have this brain-based focus, right? Really focused on that aspect. Um, focused on, okay, if you exercise, how? And not just going into like this popular form of, okay, you'll get more BDNF or NFG, right? Nerve um, growth factor or um, your brain-derived neurotrophic factor because it's really popular right now, but they wear themselves down and they're really going into this high cardiovascular output. I'm like, you don't need that level. It's, it's not necessary. And you'll get the hormones too, but if you can't sustain them, then what then, Right. Mm-hmm. So I started going into that. I go into fasting as well, right? I started the first time I fasted. Oh my God, I felt like crap. <laughs> I felt just so bad because I wasn't on nutrients or anything. I wasn't even eating right, right? <laughs> so, so it was very hard. 
after that, I felt good, but it was so difficult feeling like crap. I, I mean, it was difficult for me after you're on supplements and you're eating this stuff. I had no client. I mean, I've had hundreds of them and none of them have told me like, Oh, the 24 hour fast is difficult, you know? And they were like, in the beginning, they were like, Oh my God, you, I can't stop sugar or I can't stop coffee. And they, they, I don't know. They'll drink like two, three liters of coffee, right? A day. Some in some cases, I'm like, I I, I didn't know you can do that, you know. <laughs> but yeah, then they're used off. To be and, me, yeah, ten plus cups a day. Yeah, I mean, and and I am not a fan of coffee at all. I also don't want to take things to the extreme all the time. It's like there are different phases. Sometimes you can bend the rules in a certain way. Um, you know, sometimes it, it may be unavoidable to break it if you're in a social gathering, if, you know, in, in a certain aspects like, okay, well, you know, you haven't seen this person. You know, you can drink your coffee. I mean, it's not that late. It's fine. But don't make it a habit, right? I go more for matcha green tea, for example. I'm more of a fan of matcha green tea. But in any case, I started adding to that um, heavy metal detox. There's a lot of things out there that are really not useful and also sleep performance, something very important. So I, I worked with this person, um, this biologist in a Canadian Institute, and he really focuses a lot on sleep and he taught me a lot on uh, biology. Right. And, um, so I started really going to that, going into that, and became a co-thinker in that uh, that think tank, and focused on how can you increase your sleep efficiency, right? Not just the typical view of sleep and get this frequency and this other one, because I know all that stuff. I mean, I also studied neurofeedback and um, you know clinical practitioner and that. So you know, I, I I went down the certification route, you know, learning and learning and applying it and learning and testing it and applying it and then integrating it. What That's certification are you talking about? Uh, one is a clinical certification for neurofeedback, right? As a clinical practitioner, you know, for anxiety, depression. Um, so neurofeedback, trauma. it's kind of like you're, you're hooked up to a machine and like if you bring down like your pulse, you see it on the screen. Is that, is that how I'm understanding it? So you can see the feedback so you can control yes. it more with your mind? Right, right. But for example, um, it's just biofeedback bio of, let's call it your uh, brain, right? It's actually a galvanic response, you know, skin conductance, but they translate, you know, you get some electrodes on different parts of your, of your head. And then in real time, you're like seeing a, it can be visual or it can be auditory. And then you're seeing like more glow and less glow. It gets like dimmer or brighter. And that is considered um, uh, as um, a reward by your brain. So then you shift into certain frequencies, more like more beta or alpha or data, delta or theta, you know, all these different types. Um, so that's how you do it. I also did for the heart, like heart rate variability, not just the um, heart math, because I also got certifications in that, um, but also starting to like integrate it. You know, use it while you do neurofeedback and start learning how to, for starters, how to breathe, right? I mean, how many people, for starters, know how to eat? You know, how many times do they chew their food? These sound like such simple things, but I promise. Deep breathing was probably the very first health thing I ever implemented, uh, probably uh, 13, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. And just stopping what I'm doing, or maybe not stopping while I'm doing it, while I'm walking, while I'm waiting for the train stop and breathe the entire breath in through the nose, big, deep breath, fill the entire lungs, expel them completely and repeat. 
you know, 10, 20 times while you're doing it consciously. Because as soon as you stop thinking about it, you're going to start taking shallow breaths again, most likely, especially if you are stressed or in a hurry or whatever, emotional for any reason, you're going to start taking very shallow breaths, which starve yourself of oxygen. You're not using half the lungs, maybe even less than half the lungs. And um, yeah, you said conscious chewing too. Just jumping right. in a little bit and I'll, I'll give the mic back to you. My wife uh, told me last night, she says, you know, make sure you let him speak a lot because you tend to talk too much during the interview. <laughs> so you're making my job very yeah. easy. But these simple okay. things, they can be game changers. Like you said, it's it's true. Most people are literally not breathing correctly. People think sleep apnea is something that happens at night. People are doing apnea all the time without even noticing it. They're stopping breathing all the time, especially when they're stressed. And very few people are taking full breaths. And very few people are eating mindfully. So you, there's a lot of people with chronic stomach pain and indigestion just because, you know, and I'm guilty of this myself as well. You know, I'm working, 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 you know, uh, hey, honey, the lunch is ready. Oh, and I just break off and don't even start thinking about it. You need to think about eating ahead of time to start secreting enzymes in your mouth and start secreting stomach acid. Your body starts to get ready for eating. But a lot of us are so busy that we don't consciously slow ourselves down, get ourselves prepared to eat the meal, chew more than twice, you know, yeah, chew 10 times, <laughs> 20 times, yeah. move uh -huh. it around your mouth, appreciate the taste, slow down, give your body time to let you know it's full, time to appreciate the meal, time to have a proper break away from your work before you jump back into it so you can properly digest it. And I'm throwing it back to you, but I just wanted to, one of the first things you said was EFT. And I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up while we were talking and just uh, wanted to comment. So it's called Emotional Freedom Technique. I've never heard of this. So it's tapping on the acupuncture points, and you said that helped you? Right, right. yes. Um, yeah, so EFT is Emotional Freedom Technique. Um, it's it's the clinical version. You know, there's a lot of people going at it, and it's it's fine. But when you're getting into certain topics, it's not that easy, you know, when it's a... I don't know, um, sexual abuse, um, or near death experiences or anything of the sort, you know, it's, it's just not that easy, but now I actually prefer that way better than small habits. <laughs> they're, they're a lot more difficult to change. So emotional freedom technique is pretty much you tap on certain acupuncture points where you can check it with a galvanometer and it's like, oh, so the skin conductance electricity here, you know, it's, it's different. You know, it's just, it's just, you can measure it. It's very easy. It's very, so I used to have a pen and I would just like show them like this type of pen to measure it. They're like, oh, okay, so it's here. All right. So yeah, it is different. It's not just a sham thing, right? So you just see people doing it and changing, you know, how they feel different aspects, including pain, right? It start, just starts going down and shifting and moving. And then you go into, um, you really get to the important part. You go into core beliefs. So, you know, what, what writings on the walls, what have you believed? What, what myths do you have about yourself and others? And, uh, you know, just how you've had this life experience and how you're translating it into your day-to-day -day activity and motivation and decisions, right? So I usually, if it's possible for most, I start people on supplementation first and food. So then they have all the capacity for the change. It's easier. They have the resources. They have all the um, the storage for it. You know, all their cells filled up, their neurons are, you know, they already took out the trash. Now let's get rid of for all this emotional processing, right? And then thinking through it and shifting, you know, the way they view life, right? So eventually I 
transformed all of that. It, I just started integrating it with feeling, with breathing, with so many different aspects. Um, like I said, our HRV, you don't really need the machine all the time. I mean, if you know how to do it, if you know how to guide through meditation, if you know how to help people stop thinking, right? Because they're used to thinking and you tell them not to think, well, what, what are they going to do? They're just going to think about not thinking, right? So you just add in an extra thought. <laughs> it's not really going to help much. So, um, so then you 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 understand human behavior and biology, right? And um, you, you start going into into true behavioral sciences, which are useful. But even into you know ancient wisdom, right? Zen Buddhism. I mean, things are being confirmed right now about things that have been known for thousands of years. So just like the acupuncture points, you know, they're, they're just useful. So why not use them? So it's different than just saying something, right? So emotional freedom technique, that's my main way to start shifting a lot of aspects, especially all of your, you know, memory registered beliefs. So that way it's not just nutrients, right? Nutrients. So the good thing of it, it'll shift your patience, you won't be as irritated, you'll have more concentration capacity. But if you have a certain pattern where you use it, you go overboard, then you can't stop. So I've had people get promoted three times and then they like they become depressed because they're completely drained. Like three times in two years. And before that, you know, they were like just so stuck. Or I've had people that I don't recommend, like they're they're doing triathlon, right? So I have clients that um I tell them for example, this is just the supplementation part, but they're depressed, you know, uh, well, a woman, 40-year-old woman, depressed with one child, um, wants to run, do these things. She can't anymore, you know, just flat face, no emotions. And then she starts taking all this stuff. I highly recommend not to do triathlon, you know, all these types of marathons, anything, right? And um she does it, but I say, well, at least she'll be protected, right? Well, yeah, she went on to became a, become a champ, right? A jiu-jitsu client, same thing, right? So you just see it once and again. Your body starts gaining this capacity to perform, right? We're a form of, of animal. We're mobile, right? We have to move, do things. We perform. Um, and you just start putting all that together, but you still have the motivators, the drivers, right? So why am I going to, towards this good instead of this one? But going towards this is creating so much frustration. So if you get into supplementation, then you might have an extremely high drive for it. And now you have more energy, right? But now you're just going in that rat race like really quick instead of going slower. Mm. So that's why the behavioral aspect is so important. Um, People, I use analogies for that. I use uh, one that's called the body vehicle for more the nutrition, um, certain aspects in lifestyle, um, supplementation, you know, mega dosing, all this, as well as, you know, fasting. But, you know, it's, it's really just a way for people to understand it. And the other would be the driving skills, right? So how fast, imagine you have like this um, old car, like busted Volkswagen, or you're going at, 40 miles per hour and then you get another car and it's like you get a Mercedes and you're going at a hundred miles per hour and you don't know how to drive it. That's something I use to explain. Um, so there's a certain pace to doing things. And so I really have to take it 
uh, you know, um, put it together, not just supplementation, not just food, not just these lifestyle habits, but also, you know, beliefs, why you think that, for example, going into food, like, why would gluten be healthy, right? Or, I mean, it's not even the same plant that it was before, right? So, in a way, you fix one problem, like starvation, uh, at least when it comes to like macronutrients, but you create another one. So I call it invisible starvation, right? So, oh, <laughs> I don't have the nutrients. And then I get this pica and munchy behavior, right? Yeah, starv- starving with a full stomach. Yeah. After Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to the refrigerator looking for more. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this, as well as behavioral, right? Displacement activity. So a lot of times you're not just eating even for the munchies, you're eating because it's displacement activity. You, you have to reduce the stress load and you have to, even if you're chewing or you're doing other types of activities to reduce your stress levels, right? So when you start putting all of that together, it's like, I always ask, okay, so what's your major craving number one, right? <laughs> and then that leads me to what you're missing more. Is it more electrolytes? Is it more of a, you know, chromium B, uh, you know, B complex, you name it, right? Or is it also, are you looking for that hard type of food to chew on it and like, you know, reduce stress? Well, that, that food, their favorite food could also be their top allergen, right? It could, it could. Yeah. And, um, if, well, typical foods, why, why are they favorites? You know, wh- why does dairy produce this, um, uh, this type of relief? Why does gluten or gliadin produce this type of, you know, even craving more or a certain level of relief, like short-lived, but it, it's worse after that, right? But sometimes it's not always just that. I mean, sometimes it can be like, so why are you going for an equivalent, like um, a type of sweet where they are not, not thinking about calories, even like fruit, an equivalent of a certain fruit with another tropical fruit. So why go for this one instead of this one, you know, and then that's where memories and comfort food comes in. So I wouldn't just go into the aspect of, okay, it's just a deficiency because it isn't in a lot of the times. So why do you choose certain foods? But you do notice when it is a complete deficiency and you're, you know, just having this pike of behavior, the munchies, right? It's like, ah, I'm not even craving cookies anymore, but I'm craving a salmon salad, right? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I just see these shifts all the time. So I don't know, that's in general uh, what I've seen, story how I pretty much created the program, the dual aspects of it. A lot of people finish up the um, body, let's call it body aspect of it, and they shift to the behavioral. Some start in the behavioral and then they start going into the other side. But, you know, I don't know if you'd like to talk about cases I've seen or if you want to jump in because now I'm doing a lot of the talking. (laughs) Uh, I would like to talk about cases. I had that written down, but you dropped a lot of very interesting uh, words here. I wrote a bunch of them down as well. So maybe we could just rip through a few of them. Uh, Why? I don't recommend coconut oil either, but why do you not recommend coconut oil? Why did you change your mind so abruptly on that? Okay, so there's a lot of people that are sensitive to coconut. I became sensitive as well. Then I started, um, you know, working with some labs like Cyrix Cyrix Labs and other um, labs in, in Mexico just doing food sensitivity testing and it was like well there's so many people just sensitive to coconut and then you think okay well what were there you know is there the possibility of us being 
as tropical mammals capable of getting to these type of oils in any way. Well, not really in significant amounts, not even in, with nuts and seeds. I mean, there's only one that I do recommend, but so coconut oil for starters, we wouldn't be able to access it. So it must have an impact on your health. Um, one of the ways where it has an impact is it has different type of sterols, right? But they're plant sterols. So if you're talking about phytosterols, um, they're not really true cholesterol. It's the wrong molecule. Again, orthomolecular, right? We're talking about like What's, MCT here, right? The medium chain triglycerides? No, no. We're actually talking about um, a type of cholesterol that's in plants. So when you read nuts and seeds have certain amounts of cholesterol, it's the wrong cholesterol. It's not the one we need, like the same, the right molecule, the same form. It's a completely different form, which impedes the absorption of cholesterol. So we can result in secondary nutritional deficiencies because it competes for absorption for starters. So this is why they say coconut oil could reduce cholesterol, like blood cholesterol. Yeah. And you do get to absorb maybe 2% of it, and then it gets into the cells. And then you'll have issues with you know, cell membrane fluidity, and then you'll have issues with, you know, the, having the the, the, the the cofactor, enough of the cofactor to produce sex hormones, which also impact your brain, right? Because sex hormones aren't just like, <laughs> this is what, you know, in general, this, this take on psychiatry of, you know, it's just a neurotransmitter. No, all hormones play a role, right? That's why I also started studying functional um, neurology and taking seminars on it. And it's like, okay, so estrogen impacts more of these hemispheres or testosterone in men and women, you know, thyroid hormone. You mentioned um, iodine, right? I, the megadosing with iodine. You know, I just see people with hypothyroidism or you name it, you know, they're also just labels and names just so you can put it in a category and dispense a type of med, right? But at the end of the day, if you just think of the body as, oh, okay, we're looking at your thyroid and it's like floating in there, like un disconnected from the rest of your body, then you'll have that approach, right? If you just think about your brain, not your entire nervous system, not also with your, you know, all your organs and endocrine, you have to see it like complete, right? So holistic. it's more of a holistic, more integrative, right? It's, it's see, see the entire picture. Don't just go for the, okay. Yeah. It's useful to extend saying, okay, we need iodine um, for thyroid and it's useful to, you know, um, break down cysts. Well, not break down, but, you know, pretty much get rid of all that excess potassium, which is in cysts, reprogram cells and stuff like that. Right. But, um, and you can use it that way. So that's where orthomolecular megadosing, that's where it comes in. Right? You said but, you do recommend one nut or seed. What, what plant are we talking about? Oh, seed oil. Well, I go for um, flaxseed oil if it's okay. preserved, you yep. know, um, because mostly for the omega-3s, because yep. it's very difficult. It is very complicated to really get to them with the typical foods. And I mean, I see some, sometimes I, I just, I give out free sessions or I tell people how they can do things um, mostly because, you know, some people can't even pay, pay supplementation in Mexico. They can't pay for anything. So I'm like, go for organ foods or go for this. And just by doing this, you'll have a huge change, you know? So I just consider that, but flaxseed oil, also something 
I use and I consider because, you know, it's really expensive for a lot of people. Go grass-fed. Well, yeah, right? You get the the ratios in grass, one to one or one to three. So, of course, the cow is going to have that ratio in the body because it's, you know, it requires it to produce the rest of the fatty acids, right? As opposed to like a, a cow that's eating grains and all that junk. But in any case, if you can't afford it, then what can you do? You know, one of the easiest ways is that way. So I really had to think about ways to get everybody. So it's possible for everyone to have an improvement in one way or another. Yeah. So coconut oil, big no for me, just like a don't go for it. There are a few things I haven't been able to really, you know, resolve. For example, okay, you're low on cholesterol and you are sensitive and allergic to eggs. So I know uh, Dr. Wallach is in a, um, a believer in that. It's like, no, nope, you're, you're missing something, right? However, um, not only have I seen, but I have experienced I cannot eat eggs. I cannot. It doesn't matter if they're free range. I've tried it. I've used enzyme, ox, enzymes, ox bile, everything, right? And you just can't get there. Well, okay, then which other source of animal cholesterol can we use, right? You think How red meat? can we get to it? Red meat doesn't have much, no, but liver does. Yeah. So, or beef brain, right? But then if you go into, you're afraid of the cow, uh, mad cow disease, you know, the copper deficiency and stuff, then, <laughs> then you're not going to eat it, right? But I'm sure most of the know, audience here won't believe in the, uh, the mad cow disease. Most of them are on the terrain theory side. Oh, okay. All right. So, so that's awesome. So, well, where do you get all the cofactors you need and, you know, material for, to build your brain? Well, obviously in another brain, right? So just, you don't even know, have to know like functional biology for that, right? It's, it's just like, well, yeah, that's where you'll get it from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this stuff was figured out before written history, basically, like, like treats light, right? Like cures like. Right. Brain, brain supports brain, blood supports blood. Yeah. Bone supports bone. Fixed bone problems in animals a thousand years ago. And um, we would eat the entire animal. Right? Well, they would eat the entire animal, get the proper balance of all the nutrients. You said two things about sleep. I think we should touch on. You said the word sleep hack and how that might be overrated. And I agree. I could chime in with my story on that too. But also you said sleep efficiency. So uh, what do you think about this? How much, how much sleep do we need? And what's with this? Uh, can, can we really hack our sleep? Can we really get by on six, five, four hours? Hell no. Um, <laughs> uh, well, some people do seem to be able to respond well with less sleep, but it has, you know, can they do that for their entire life? Or are we just taking a short, like a uh, um, short term vision of it, like a narrow time of space? Like, oh, okay, so we studied this for three years. Yeah. Did he study it like for 70 years, an entire lifespan? You can't do that. It's too long for humans, right? That's why we use animals. So pretty much, can you hack it? Well, I don't think it's a thing of hacking. It's a thing of improving your efficiency. How well do you sleep? And what's the function of sleep? You know, why do we sleep? Other than just memory consolidation, right? And I mean, just think about it. If you're sleeping, um, for starters, you're lying down, right? You're not going against gravity. So you're not draining yourself, I mean, it's just so basic. Have you ever heard anyone take that approach? You know, it's like you're not using energy and resources. Mm -hmm. So then you have the energy and resources to repair. 
first you need the cofactors, right? Nutrition. You don't have it. You can't do it. You're going to be um, sleeping a long time and you're just not going to get there. Well, it could cause insomnia right? too. I mean, calcium, magnesium deficiency, B vitamin deficiencies, these by themselves, vitamin C, you could be having terrible sleep if you're lacking any of these. Or if you have a right. more secondary problem, like a, a thyroid problem or some other hormonal problem that is itself caused by a, a nutrient deficiency problem or a nutrient imbalance problem. Yeah, that can yeah. easily screw your sleep up just, just alone. It, it it can and it and it does you know because i mean just think about it why do we sleep we've got wear and tear throughout the day right then we have to repair it so you need the material but if you don't have the material you'll have problems like you said For, i mean you can get insomnia right you, you've got low blood sugar and then you'll spike up your adrenaline or adrenaline cortisol you know you're, you're gonna have all these issues and then you can't go to sleep or you wake up you know, the, the dawn effect or you name it, whichever name you want to put on it. Um, but in any case, you know, what, what can you do about it? So nutrition will always help knowing when to eat, what to eat will make a huge difference. But after that, you know, you go into behavioral territory, right? So how many hours, right? So it seems like sleep cycles take about an hour and a half, right? Um, so you need several of those. Can you just put a certain number on it? Well, no. Can you put a certain number on nutrients forever, right? You do more physical activity. You need more, obviously. So you have more wear and tear. You need more. You know, they're just like kind of these ways of thinking where I, I think so much of the study in academy and academic, you know, uh, approaches just like studying for studying and and just took a life on its own and it's just like money based and people aren't really looking for you know simpler ways it's just and they're going too specific you know lost in the details just general basis yeah they you know they're 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 going too far how it happens most of the time isn't that useful and we will never know like, like a hormone, right? Is it just the iodine? You know, it's just iodine for a thyroid hormone. Is it just the hormone? I mean, we have a bunch of hormones at the same time, or are we just imagining as if it's only one hormone, right? So that's why I use these functional like indexes. Like, okay, how do you feel? This is what you had. These are this is the pain. This is you know, how do you feel with this? Oh yeah, I don't have it anymore. Okay, so even if you had the biomarker in one of the lab tests, but you feel great. You know, who cares? <laughs> you know, that was your goal to feel right, not to have a certain number, which you're just taking a statistic, a population, and you're trying to, um, to really say, oh, this is healthy. But if you notice, there really is no scientific, like, definition of health. You know, like what is being measured? You need parameters for that if it's science. We're just taking a norm and we're contrasting that and we're assuming what health should be. Well, not us, right? But the World Health Organization or, you know, these, these other approaches. So they're really not into health. Health is not their business. Disease or symptoms are. So we are in the health business. We are in the, you know, we require results for people to continue coming in. Just like the Chinese, they like they would pay the doctor until, you know, if they didn't have results, but they were doing what the doctor said, they stopped paying, right? So 
that's pretty much our case. You have, you give them results, which they also do. I mean, it's not really us. It's a combination, right? They're doing it. We're just providing a way. And then it's completely different. Let me, let me, okay, jump, yeah, in. Yeah. Let me jump in with my little story here. So I yeah. was an insomniac for 25 years until yeah. my 26th birthday when I found the correct product that uh, fixed all my musculoskeletal problems, twitching, cramping, insomnia, fixed it all in less than a week. That was the, uh, the OsteoFX, Dr. Wallach's longevity, mm-hmm. OsteoFX, added that product in, boom, everything was fixed. But prior to that, I had been experimenting with sleep for a long time because I was already insomniac. So rather than lay around in bed, you know, those countless hours here over the years, I figured I was wasting a lot of time. So I try and make the most of it. So I'd be working basically uh, in those extra hours or whatever, doing something. But I also tried to... Um, because I, I hadn't had a job in many years. I haven't had a job in like 13 years now. So a real okay. job. So I've had lots of time to play around with this. And yeah, sometimes um, I would go on rotating cycles, see if, see how that worked out. You know, stay awake for eight hours, sleep for four hours, wake up for another eight hours. And uh, you end up being awake for a lot more time. But I, I tried this for years. You know, I did rotating. Um, I, I tried to... Uh, get it down to as little as I possibly could. I, I thought in theory, maybe I would be able to go down to an hour, hour and a half, two hours, right? You said the sleep cycles, they don't last that long. And this is me naive in my early twenties and stuff, thinking that I can hack this, that uh, I, I could, you know, if I was so tired because I've been up for 22 hours, that if I only gave myself two hours to sleep, that my body would force myself into deep sleep and uh, it'd be fine. And uh, I, what I found was that I could actually stabilize it down around four hours a night. If it was the exact same four hours, it had to be so scheduled in like 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. That's it. If, if I was too late, too early, I would miss it. I would, I would end up sleeping for nine hours. You know, it would actually be a great restorative sleep because I was so sleep deprived. But yeah. I was also trying to get a lot done here. During this time, specifically, I was working at the University of Sydney. So I had a huge, huge workload and tons of stuff to study. It was not even in my field. So I had to catch up and I could use 20 hours a day. But as soon as I went down below four hours, yeah, it was it was definitely catastrophic. I think the one time that I was able to actually do one hour, it totally messed up. I that next day I ended up sleeping for like more than a day straight, you know, just totally crashing. Anyways, now I believe nine hours. That's actually my target. I rarely hit it, but it's the target. Even if you spoke to me last year, I would have said, yeah, six or seven is my normal. And I would feel weird. You were talking about the mind too earlier, right? Behavior and all this. So this was a big change for me. Um, you know, I'm on that, uh, you know, on the grind tip, right? You got you to gotta work yourself to death tip. Basically, you got to crush it. And I still am kind of, but you also got to relax a little bit or that will kill you. It'll crush you, right? You won't last oh, yeah. very long. So uh, last year, even uh, this exact time last year, if I didn't wake up at 4.35 a.m., I would feel guilty. You know, I'd feel bad and... It's still, I was only ended, ended up getting six, seven hours. It just wasn't enough. But then I finally read a book. It was called Lights Out. And they were talking about this. You were talking about circadian and stuff. You know, they were blaming sugar and, and blue screens, basically. Too much sugar and too much screen time, screwing up everybody's sleep. And uh, mentioned that you got to regulate all this stuff. But anyways, that book talked about nine hours being the optimal, at least eight to nine hours. So uh, that might have been six that months seems ago. To be I read the sweet that. spot. Yeah, fully nine shifted. Hours. Now I'm uh, no longer feeling guilty if I if I don't wake up super early. This morning I woke up at 7 a.m., but I went to sleep at 11, past 11. A little bit too late. I'm kind of messing my schedule up here, but still, 
the point was I got the eight hours. I felt fine. And even though it was 7 a.m., I, I didn't feel guilty because if you do feel guilty about what you're doing, I mean, that's it's a, a really subtle but insidious form of stress, I think. And I think a lot of people are carrying around a lot of that stuff all the time, really stressing about what they're eating and supplementing with. You know, they've got this whole health anxiety, basically. And there's a few different names for it, too. But some people are really, really caught up in that so that they're doing all these healthy things. They're going to the gym and they're doing acupuncture and yoga and they're being mindful and they're giving themselves me time and self-love and self-care. But they're thinking so much about it and and therefore stressing so much about it that it might even be doing more harm than good. Often those same people can be tricky cases to actually help them out of their health problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And that's where I said, like, okay, so if you don't kind of like guide them a little bit with this pattern they have, like, it becomes a I'm I'm healthier than you, right? <laughs> then they start like that's the competition, right? Oh, do you want to be healthy or not? I mean, why do you want to be healthy for starters, right? So longevity is right this idea of of being young and 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 living longer, but is it that important to live as long? You know, so that's where it comes into this. Are you living a fuller, happier life or not? Or are you like, like you said, like uh, draining yourself into living a type of life which you believe would be, you know, in this certain way. And you're just stressing out so much that, you, I mean, you'll, you'll get, a, you'll just a snap at a point. It doesn't matter all the nutrients you're taking because you're using it in such a way that you're bringing yourself down, right? And then you need more sleep, right? Because mm-hmm. there's not just one hour. I mean, everything's moving, right? So let's set an example, right? You, you've got an issues with your brain, right? You've got issues with motor um, coordination and you don't have enough energy. You don't have enough thiamine, right? And then you're like, okay, so I need more thiamine or I've got this up. I've got Wernicke or I've got, you know, you name it. For starters, you have more damage, right? So there are cells there. It's not just happening, right? It's not just calories. You've got molecules that are produced that the cell chooses to do. And if it's possible to do so, right, genes don't turn on or off. It has to do with environment, right? The epigenetic approach, right? It's not just the cells. It's everything that's going in there, the internal chemical environment. And then you've got more waste. And then that waste also has to be disposed of. That happens when you sleep. So even what side do you sleep on, right? You know, all these types of questions, what would be, you know, better? And um, like you mentioned, like blue screen, uh, well, uh, blue light, right? And, and screen time and all these um, fear of missing out and just things that we've started doing. For starters, I mean, having electric um, lighting, it didn't just shift the nutrients that would go into the gardens, right? It also shifted our entire behavioral pattern. So we produce more. We're awake more time. That requires also more efficiency in sleep, being able to repair in a certain amount of time. So you need certain factors. You need the chemical factors, right? You need the atoms, right? You need those nutrients. You need the, the, the uh, vitamins, the minerals. You need time to produce it. You, you need several things several aspects so are you living in a it's not the same if you're like in a cabin out there and you're calm and it's silent if you're surrounded by or if you're in the city surrounded by wi-fi and you can there's noise all the time right it's it's not the same there's commotion so 
then you start going into all these things, all these aspects that will lead you into how efficient are you waking up, rested and recovered, or and and that will you will be able to see that emotionally how people think, and that's very easy to 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 really observe, right? Um, so again, you also need the nutrients to repair, not just to do. And in order to do things, you have to not do things. In order to think, if you want to think about anything besides thoughts, you have to not think, right? That's where meditation comes in. That's where breathing, that's where, um, or else you'll just be in this abstract world all the time, thinking about thoughts and symbols, and you're just like disconnecting, right? You're not living the life. So yeah, just kind of like throwing my, just my thoughts on it, on it's not just, you know, the, the supplements and it's not just behavior. It's both. It always is. I mean, how can you take an organism, a human outside of the ecosystem, right? (laughs) There's no way, right? And a lab, the scientists will know that you can't really completely isolate something from the environment. It's impossible, right? So you start putting it all together. You'll, you'll have, another view of things. And that's where you get into um, the Tao, Zen Buddhism, <laughs> which they already knew it's a field, right? So just puzzling it all together, not making it so difficult, and not that much on the hows. Hows are important. We focus on how you do it, but there's a limit to it, right? Taking a vitamin doesn't mean you'll absorb it, right? True. Taking a, for example, vitamin A, you don't have enough bile. You won't absorb it. Right. Um, uh, if, if, if you take also try and get a lot of, I don't know, carotenoids in your system, but there's not enough fat, right. <laughs> then good luck with that. And it won't reach your brain. Right. So you're not um, what you eat. You are what you absorb. You're what you absorb. And I added something extra to that. You're what you can transform. Mm. Right. So, um, uh, Dr. Wallach points out the, okay, so you're in the gestational period. You've got the car assembly. At a point, you might have an issue and then you won't be able to produce an enzyme. So if you can't, you can't transform it, it's an issue. So you have to take another approach. Hence, orthomolecular using other substances like thiamine, you go into benfothiamine, you go into, you know, other forms, allethiamine, you name it. Um, but there are different forms to get to that point. I mean, you're still alive. So we know you're functioning well enough to be alive, right? But how can we make it healthier, right? And um, so also, there are so many pathways. We don't know how it's going on. We don't know all of them. You know, we don't know if the same form, the same thing is happening today and tomorrow, right? So going so much in detail, It'll always take you so far. But going back to sleep, right? Um, so there's light. We sleep later. We're not nocturnal, right? That's why we need light, <laughs> artificial light. If not, we wouldn't need it. Um, it's wearing our eyes out more, screwing up our our circadian rhythm, and also the ultradian rhythm, right? So how do we know about that? You know, organs repairing at certain times, Right. Um, well, the Chinese knew it. Um, right now, with even jet lag, we know it. There's some studies, not that much done yet, but you just start seeing like, what did we do before? You know, 
And what are we doing now? Well, there's no, there, at least with land animals, there is no correlation. There's no species that comes anywhere close to us in having, you know, 16, 18 hours of constant activity that does not exist anywhere. Even look at a hyperactive animal like a squirrel. It still spends most of the time doing nothing, right? Doing, just doing yeah. nothing. And it doesn't have any of the stresses that we have. It's looking over its shoulder and whatever. But, you know, we have this, we're expected to have this 16-hour days day that's just loaded with activities. We're supposed to learn. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to exercise. We're, it just, it's so much. Absolutely nothing, nothing even close. Maybe in the sea because, you know, fish and whales they got to keep moving kind of sort of they got to stay so they got to be able to wake up really quick but yeah there's no animal that comes anywhere close but they're to not us. going against gravity we they're are. not going against gravity that's true they're in suspension and uh yeah any animal look at look at your dog look at your cat it just spends so much time sleeping obviously to spend zero time thinking about the stuff that we think about like you know how we're judged by others and how we look and all trying to keep up with the news and and, and you know your favorite sport team and just there's nothing even approaching this in the animal world. There is no natural correlate. And whatever we used to act like before uh, civilization, it, it also would have not come close at all. I've lived in the woods. I don't know if you have, Yannick. There's a there's a lot of time to sit around and just do nothing. Just do literally <laughs> literally nothing. Looking at the clouds. Looking Enjoy, at the right? Yeah, waiting for something to cook. Waiting for a rabbit to come by. I don't know. It's a totally different <laughs> life experience. And you spend you spend hours... Figuring out your meals and your your wood, your heat, not whatever, but still, there's like 14 hours of doing nothing in the day. Oh yeah, I, I I'm completely on board with you on that. I mean, what what would you do? But then now it becomes a thing of you know, do something, produce, have a purpose in this way. Mm-hmm. So then you're chasing the the the, the proverbial carrot, right? You don't stop. That's why I consider you know the um, behavior so important in the way you view things more unlearning is is key right um then still learning and learning and learning and just just like moving from one or to another because you're still doing things all the time so like you said no other animal we can observe does this except in zoos you start seeing the behavior you see animals that are awake at night so why is this you know what's happening and just like animals, are we in the natural environment? Well, we're not. We're just like them. We caged ourselves, just like in a zoo. So in the same way, we have those behavioral patterns, and they start getting them as well. Things that do not happen in natural environments, they do happen when we cage ourselves, we isolate ourselves. You sure as hell weren't seeing like a million humans in the woods, were you? No, nobody. And you were connected. And then you've got all these plants and other animals and squirrels. And you would, uh, right now, people are so disconnected even to food. It's like, since we're not, we're omnivores, right? Obviously, a lot of vegetarians will have issue with that. Mostly vegans, right? Which is, you know, a fad. I know a lot of people won't like it, right? But it's, it's you know, we're a carnivore. Uh, well, uh, an omnivore, highly focused on eating meat and animals because of our own evolutionary pattern, right? You can even see it in, you know, the organs with other carnivores where we're at, and then you get into behavioral sciences and all these aspects. Not, I'm not talking about psychology. I'm not talking about, 
you know, these um, theories, right? I'm going more into, okay, so observation and understand that stuff, natural forms, not just our human world, right? But anyways. Well, all primates are omnivores. I mean, there's, thankfully, we don't see too many vegans these days. It's, it's very much out of fashion. But uh, we used to, when I first started this business, that was a very, very popular um, take, but uh, yeah, some people think that there's there's monkeys or apes that are, are vegetarian. You know, they say, uh, oh, a gorilla just eats leaves, and you know, there's a there's a so-called leaf eating monkey, but mm-hmm. all of them are omnivores. There, there's no exception here. Have you what, what's your major? What's the the hardest thing you've come across when you have like clients that are um, vegans? There's one thing I tell them: you cannot get this through supplementation. But I don't know if you uh, have a take on it. Well, like I said, I'm I'm not so worried about offending people these days because it, it is out of fashion. But yeah. um, I've talked with several people in the the outpatient world, you know, the clinical world, where you know most places have a, a questionnaire for you to fill out, a form for you to fill out, let them know what's going on. Are you on any medications? What conditions do you have? Do you have a pacemaker? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And some of them will ask if you're a vegan or if you have any, if you follow a diet or something like that. And anyways, in private conversation, many people have admitted that if we see a vegan, we know it's going to take them twice as long to heal. We're going to have to book out twice as much time for them. It's going to be twice as hard. For that. And I've read this in books as well with other practitioners that are recognizing that, yeah, if someone comes to you with a disease that needs to be healed, that's our job, um, and they are vegan, it is going to be roughly twice as hard by whatever metric you want to throw it it's going to take twice as long maybe twice as much dosage and twice as much headache for sure <laughs> yeah yeah that's i mean they've just had so much damage right so um they've just starved themselves for so long so it takes longer of course right even some metabolic pathways may be broken down so this is where you know it's, it it was learned after World War II. You know, people that were in concentration camps. It's not just efficiency, right? They've come up with this term. Uh, certain doctors or practitioners call dependency. It's like it's not just you're getting this substance, right? This form of thiamine, for example, but you have these other forms that if you don't get them, you are still presenting these symptoms again and again and it does not stop right so um with vegans well same thing they're starving themselves and even if you supplement you still cannot supplement with cholesterol if it's not animal based there is no way there is no supplement which does not contain animal you know um uh, an animal part or anything that does not contain cholesterol even if you were to separate it somehow right um, like the molecule and you can absorb it, but from a food source, even then it's still from an animal. So there's no way out. You can't, I was it. totally falling apart as a vegan. I was totally, totally falling apart. Oh, you tried it. <laughs> um, even this morning I got, a, I got a message. Someone said, Hey man, you, you look younger than you did six months ago. And I said, thank you. That's great. And I, I actually, I feel younger. I, I, I think I look pretty good right now comparing myself to, what I was in my early 20s when I was vegan and I looked old, I deep skin wrinkles and, you know, more uh, stiff. I, I still was literally a stiff man. I had the stiff man syndrome, you know, so just uh, cracked skin, all, all this stuff looked old. My hair was thinning and falling out. And this is uh, I worked with a professor, Professor Ian S.F. Jones at the University of Sydney, and he was an old man with a hunch. 
And I, I was looking like him and walking like him. And I was honestly considering getting a cane at that point in my life. Obviously, I was nutrient deficient before that. But yeah, the veganism threw me way, way over the edge. And when I added eggs back in, there was an immediate turnaround. Couldn't have been faster. Honestly, within weeks, my hair was coming back. And I was shaving my head at that point because I was I was literally starting to look like a bald guy. Thinking of doing a comb over or something. Getting getting close to that point. So I just shaved the head. But then, uh, yeah, it all came back in properly. And even the skin smoothed out and stuff. Just eggs alone. And it's amazing how quick the body knows what to do with the right stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because you just start eating it and you bounce back. Especially right? when it's in a, yeah, when it's in a desperate state. Yeah. 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 That's when it's more noticeable. For example, um, when I see people that are overweight and obese, it's so much more noticeable and they are actually much easier than underweight people. And even in studies, you know, being underweight, very like underweight is actually not the sweet spot in health. It's to be to a certain extent um, overweight, you know, BMI really doesn't tell you so much. It doesn't tell you where the fat is. It doesn't, you know, um, doesn't give you that information. But in any case, it's, um, are we supposed to look as thin? You know, is there always going to be resources? Was there always going to be resources and food lying around to, uh, you know, like, so we can just grab it and continue? Well, at times maybe, but, you know, if you take a longer look, they're the ice ages, right? So at times we wouldn't be able to do that. And if we ate a certain amount of fruit, fructose or anything, we would have to get fast, fat really quick, right? So just like with vegans, okay, so sometimes you will have just access to plants and other stuff. Even during the world wars, you know, flour and those types of foods, they'll keep you alive, but you'll start losing nutrients. You'll start losing a lot of things, right? Um, That you need to sustain a healthy way of living and functioning. And, you know, in, in, in the same way, Every life form wasn't always, didn't have access to abundance in food constantly. So that's where fasting comes in. And to illustrate that, you know, where I, I live way up north, like northern Canada, not just Canada. And uh, yeah, the Eskimos famously are, are one of the uh, healthiest cultures, at least in terms of heart disease and diabetes and cancer and all that stuff, at least before they got introduced to processed foods. And yeah, they're mostly carnivore. They have a very short, just like I do here, very short growing season. If there is berries, if it is a good berry year, good berry season, you've got like three, four weeks max to get all your berries in. You know, it's just, it's not going to be available. And I don't know if you know, because you're a, you're a Mexican American. I don't know if you know a guy named Survivor Man, Les Stroud. He's a, he's a Canadian survivalist and uh, he has a, at least used to have a long running TV show where he'd go and survive in a bunch of different places by himself. I watched one of his shows. Yeah. He uh, would just like grab anything around and just like what he had there right he didn't go with barely any like tools or anything I think he's pretty like- hardcore pretty good and uh he did an episode close to where i live it's well it's still about two hours south here but it, it's up in the far north it was called tomogamy the place mm-hmm. still is called tomogamy and anyways in that episode it, he knows everything about what to, you can possibly eat in the forest and he's in the canadian equivalent of a rainforest right it's very very dense and overgrown and stuff but even he said if you're a vegan you're gonna die out here he said, yeah, so people ask me sometimes, you know, what would you do in a survival situation as a vegan? And he said, I wouldn't. You, you will die, especially up here, up in the north, in the forest. You, you will absolutely die. There's some things that are available. There's some fantastic plant medicines are available. You know, we've got uh, chaga mushroom on the, 
on the birch mm. trees up here. We've got mm -hmm. all kinds of herbs and stuff, even winter herbs that are, are available, but you will absolutely die of starvation from calories and, and protein and all that. Like you can't get beans and stuff. It just stop it. The wild av availability of those things is just absolutely negligible. You can't just go to whole foods and buy all this stuff. You know what I mean? So in the natural environment, yes, it's just, it's not there even in the tropics, to be honest, I've lived in the tropics. I've lived in Costa Rica, deep in the jungle and there are plenty of plants available. There's coconuts, obviously there's organic wild, you know, there's plantains growing, there's limes growing, you know, there's all kinds of things growing, avocados. But first of all, they're not all ripe all the time. They're cyclical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when the avocados are ripe, literally every house is sending one of their kids up that tree that day. And if you go in the afternoon, there's not going to be many avocados left. You literally have to wait till the next bloom because it's just yeah. it's gone. Same with the plantains and all that. We're waiting for them to be ripe. We're eating them and then we're moving on. But even those communi communities are dependent on their dairy cows and the sea. That's it. They eat their special cheese every day. They eat fish most days. Most of the houses, the ones that can afford it. So I'm saying even in a place of plant abundance, literally in the tropical jungle, the people there still rely on animals for survival. Right. Right. Completely. So it, it starts pointing towards rhythms, right? That's where fasting is useful. But also, even, for example, I use a lot of antioxidants and even vitamin C, mega dosing with vitamin C. Um, I'm not a fan of such high doses that like the ones that are recommended um, because you start getting, you know, other deficiencies or it starts affecting certain metabolic processes, right? Even I forgot the the person who worked with Linus Pauling Schrauser. Oh, he also worked with um, with Dr. Wallach. Yeah, Gerhard Schrauser. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he was, he, he was um, also a critic of it. And I've noticed that you go way up in vitamin C, you get start getting more um like um gray hair and stuff. <laughs> so that can even happen with matcha green tea or certain teas if you ingest too much of it, right? And a certain time and it breaks down the vitamin B1 and stuff like that, right? So um so it's like if you were to be in a cold place and you need to oxidize, you need to burn and you need to create fat. And if you're taking six grams of vitamin C in that cold without the amount of food, you'll probably also die. You know, so it's really understanding where you're at, when, also critical, and, um, you know, when to use it. People start having, you know, less issues. They're, they're fine functionally. Then I reduce uh, antioxidants by a ha high amount, you know, and I start shifting the amounts a little bit. Um, that that's what was pretty much born from experience because in books, you don't see this. I mean, I've also studied hundreds of books, just like, you know, you, you like studying it and, uh, but there's a point where you've pretty much seen, you know, the most important of it and you can update a little bit, see some references, some studies, but you've got it. Right. So, um, so in this aspect, it's like, I don't see people like really focusing on the shifts even nice nice and i mean they're really good books um i think it was andrew soul uh who wrote one of those books and a few others that i read and they're good right they're i mean it's great to know but again they're not natural conditions under natural conditions would we use that amount of niacin you know would we go up to three grams 
so yeah, you've got schizophrenia, you can do it, right? You've got alcohol issues, um, can't get glycogen out of your liver, you'll do it. I mean, you can go up, but how much is enough and for how long? Can you so, yeah, go we wouldn't, at it? We wouldn't that- need those doses. We wouldn't need those doses if we were in a better condition. You said schizophrenia. Well, that's a deficiency state. So yeah, you need to, you need more, a bigger dose to fill in a deficiency state. Let me just jump in here and point out since the vast majority of people will be listening to this on audio. And I forgot to mention that at the beginning, the Patreon people, when there is a video version, it's on Patreon. Maybe some of them will go on YouTube. I posted two of them on YouTube, but just saying, if you want to see us chatting on webcams here in real life, you can do that on patreon.com slash the real, not us. But I wanted to say for the audio people that Yannick here, 37 years old, I don't see a single gray hair on him. We're not on high def cameras here. Maybe he's got one or two, but that's a very, very good sign. This is one of the first metrics I think we ought to conquer in this business. My goodness, actually, I think it's a quite a bad look that the vast majority of practitioners, influencers or whatever in the alternative health world in regular health world, the vast majority have gray hair. It's crazy. Even though we all claim to know, you know, how to uh, how to prevent it. Still, most of them didn't do it. And even for me, you mentioned this last year about the vitamin C thing. I asked you about it, about the mega doses, because I was new to this last year. I've been using it with some clients since then, but still, I'm still new to it. But you said, yeah, be careful. It might increase your mineral deficiencies. And for me, the hair thing, why I say that is because, yeah, if the vitamin C creates more deficiencies, like in copper, tin, selenium, that's what Schrauser would have been up in arms about, selenium. He's the selenium guy. Yeah. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what he was saying. Take too much vitamin C. Well, you might be losing more selenium in, in your extra bowel movements here. So maybe that's a concern. So you said that to me. Watch out for mega doses if you don't need them, right? Because I don't need them. I'm not trying to heal something. I'm not in a deficiency state. So when I started playing around with adding more vitamin C into my regimen, I wanted to see, is this increasing or decreasing uh, the amount of gray hairs I have? Because I do have a few dozen, honestly. And for me, I notice it's very frustrating because I spend half my time in Texas and half in Canada. So I go back and forth and it's like I'm here two months and they're two months or three or whatever. And by the time those two, three months are done, there's almost no gray hairs. I have to relax. It takes a couple of weeks to even get used, get readjusted after a trip like that. But then I go back on the road and I get back home or get wherever. And I notice, my goodness, the grays came back especially in my beard. I'm always watching them. <laughs> I can see them literally from the, it takes me maybe three days to get home in most cases. And by the time I'm home, the stress, the dehydration, the EMF, the all, all this stuff has caused me a few gray hairs. So I'm not sure if the, the vitamin C really, really sped that up. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I did actually notice a difference with hydrogen water right before I left ta- uh, Texas a couple of months ago. We got a full-blown hydrogen water machine claims to be the best one on the market. And uh, yeah, within two, three weeks that I was on it, I noticed a significant decrease in my gray hairs just like that. So I just wanted to point out that, Yannick, you're, you're being a good example here. You have your hair color. And my goodness, 37 might not sound like old. It's not old, but most of my friends in their 30s are bald, are bald or gray or both. You know, some of them have silver hair and they're like the same age as me. I'm, I'm 34. It's silver hair. Some of them had silver hair 10 years ago. So it's actually an accomplishment now to be in your 30s at all and not have gray hairs. Like if you do not take action, that's not going to happen on its own. Even the healthiest people I knew in high school and the, the gym bros and all that stuff, almost all of them without exception 
are gray or bald or both. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen my friends, you know. they. It, it's as if, you know, you're... First of all... I kind of like started looking younger, just like you were told, right? It's, you can see it in the skin, for example, that, um, uh, that it just, people tell me like, what do you put on your face? And I'm like, I just use uh, like, uh, um, like, like sometimes argan oil or wheat germ oil, but that's pretty much it, you know, because I do it also to absorb and antioxidants for my brain and stuff. But, um, but other than that, I'm like, I don't use anything. I did notice, for example, I came, uh, since I moved here, you know, water with chlorine, it just, it destroys your skin. It's like all dry and stuff. It's, I mean, I'm amazed. That doesn't happen in Mexico. You can't drink water over there, right? But you shouldn't be drinking it here with all that chlorine and fluor and stuff either way. But, you know, it just, you, you can see even the toxins, those added to water and those amounts and those forms, right? how it impacts you but yeah the hair it's it's as if your time kind of like it starts going so slow it's or it stops right in comparison to your other friends i also have friends that went completely bold when they were um 30 you know and uh, and you just see them and they're like they're still they seem to be aging so quick and um so you just notice okay your body you know how to do it you have to preach it you have to it has to be visible right so um because you can see someone that's like oh he looks so old and he's 30s i mean what's he preaching about being healthy and living longer about i mean you know it just doesn't make sense um so yeah gray hair um, there are other, like, like I said before, it's not just also the deficiency, it's, it's the ability to transform it, right? So if you're megadosing and it starts impeding or affecting certain metabolic processes, that's also an issue, right? It's a big deal because at the end of the day, epigenetics means your, your um, environment, right? And how it impacts your cells. So if you got a different internal environment, including having more vitamin C, which um which you can consume a lot more than pretty much any other vitamin, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, um, then it'll start saturating your blood at least for a time. And that will always impact. I mean, it has to, how could it not, you know, it's just like when you start getting this stuff, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You need certain time for things. There's saturation. Okay. So this the amount of thyroid hormone or this, you know, but those levels again, uh, even in functional neurology, it is very, it's widely known 
two people have the same markers for dementia. One has dementia and the other one doesn't. So then, of course, it's not a, it's, it's not stated. If you have this marker, this will happen. Even, and I've seen this a lot with people with hypothyroid. So I don't know if it's, um, I should go into like those cases because I think it'd be worth it to talk about them. Um, I think we should, but I think you should uh, give me a minute to tell the audience here about my good friends down at the American Biodental Clinic in Tijuana, okay. Mexico. There's a lot of people out there with uh, a mouthful of metal and root canals that need to be dealt with and need to be pulled out, reversed, fixed, whatever it is. And you need a good holistic dentist to do that. I'm sure there are plenty of them in America. I just don't have any to recommend. And generally in America, it is a lot more expensive. Yannick, you maybe can back me up on this in Mexico. Some of the most high-tech, cutting-edge alternative health techniques not only are in Mexico right now, but Mexico has been leading in a lot of this stuff for a long time. Mexico is one of the top medical tourism destinations because a lot of what they do is just simply illegal in America, Canada, Australia, UK. People come from all over the world to Mexico to get treatments that are illegal in their um, countries. And yet, usually, these are the, some of the most beneficial things that we could do. And in this case, I get asked a lot about what I should do if I have if I have a, a mercury filling, if I have a root canal, what should I do? Should I go see my dentist down the road? Should I go see the same dentist who put it in? Well, chances are that dentist is not a holistic dentist that knows what they're talking about when it comes to mercury toxicity, when it comes to the correct order of taking out fillings, when it comes to you know measuring the electrical implications of having that metal in your mouth. That's why there's a sequence to taking them out. Um, they may not be aware uh, of all the techniques required to properly clean the bone when they do go in and reverse a root canal. I'm just saying there's a lot to it. And I trust the American Biodental Clinic. I don't have any cavities or anything in the first place. You can avoid tooth problems with uh, preventative nutrition. So I don't have any to worry about. But if I did, I would absolutely put American Biodental Clinic at the top of my list, uh, both for affordability and for professionality. I trust them that they know what they're doing. Their hearts are in the right places. The prices are very good. And you don't have to drive down to Tijuana, by the way. They will pick you up in Southern California as far as the San Diego airport. And they'll bring you both ways. It's only five minutes from the border. There's no border stop on the way in. You just go right in and hey, they'll bring you back out. That's free of charge with any procedure that you're getting with them. Just so you don't have to have the hassle of getting insurance for Mexico or driving in Mexico, which can be it can be a little bit crazy, even five minutes if you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, they pick you up, they drop you off. They have a range of services, including the, the basic dental stuff, even from just primary care dentistry, all the way to removing the root canals and everything like that. Reconstruction work, all that stuff. They also have a range of other alternative therapies, non-dental stuff. They have a bunch of IVs they offer. Some of them they do use in conjunction with dentistry. Like if you do go get a root canal done or reversed, they will put IV vitamin C into you and probably some other stuff as well. So I'm just saying they have a, a range of services there from dentistry to cancer therapies, hyperbaric chambers, all this stuff. You can talk to them and get a consultation with them for free at AmericanBioDental.com. That is in the description of this podcast, of course. And if you say that you were referred by not us, not us referred you, you get $50 off if you spend at least $400, which is about the price of getting a filling removed, by the way, which is quite a good price. So check them out if you need your alternative dental care and other alternative services, AmericanBioDental.com. 
Yannick, you have any uh, you have any comments on the uh, situation in Mexico with alternative care, comparing it to California and all that? Well, when it comes to dentistry, not much. No, <laughs> I used to live in Mexico City, and there was barely anything. But there are places like Tijuana, like you mentioned, and uh, close to the border, or in like on the beach. Um, Cancun's popular. Cancun, yeah, yeah. where um, it's more affordable, like you say, and you can do things that you can't do in the United States because. You know, just just it, they make it so difficult, right? Or it's illegal, like you said. So, um, not in dentistry. I mean, I've studied up on it. I have my part of the program for heavy metal detoxing, but um, but there really aren't m- many options, at least in big metropolitan areas. I mean, even my you know the the the, the program I carry out, it's. Over there, it's, um, you know, in general, there's not this idea of, okay, it's it's the lifestyle approach. It's still getting there, getting healthier. It's still, you know, they're working on it, but it's not as strong as here in the United States. So the key market is more in the U.S. than in Mexico. Over there, they don't even know. You know, it's like, what do you mean, you know, the, the mercury fillings or silver fillings are, uh, are bad for you? Like, why? Have no clue. But in America, they yeah, they don't, they don't know. Oh, Mexico less. Really? So in Mexico, yeah, Mexico, they, they know, know even less about all these things. You mean just like the average Mexican? Yeah. Or doctor? Both. <laughs> both, you know. And over there, they, doctors don't even have, ins- you know, they don't have insurance. So people are so hypnotized into saying like, oh, thank my doctor. That, um, I mean, there can be good doctors for what they do, but again, they're way out of their territory range, what they know what to do in general. So if, you know, person dies because of doctor negligence, which, you know, is so high, or they mess up or they do it, but there's, you know, what they do is so toxic, then people don't even um, sue them. They don't need insurance like they do in the United States. It must be a little bit different in Tijuana culturally, just because it is right there beside the border. And like there's alternative clinics like across the street from each other. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. You can't throw a rock in Tijuana without hitting an alternative cancer clinic or a dental clinic or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, Tijuana. I mean, it's right next to the border, even in Texas, probably. Um, you know, it must be, you know, San Antonio and these places that are closer. It's, It's probably... No, same story. Um, but when you go to the center of Mexico and other places, you have no idea because there's no bicultural aspect. There's no, you know, I don't know that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so even in Tijuana, they must be going to the United States for other things and coming back to Tijuana, then San Diego to Tijuana, you know, so it's oh, going back and forth. It's very much a border culture. Most of the people that work at the clinic live in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 I mean, it just makes sense. You know, I was in San Diego um, last week, and and you just can see so many Latinos, right? It's just so mixed now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely bicultural, bi bilingual. So yeah, yeah. But you'll probably find it there, not in other parts. You know, Cancun, another place. But in general. Um, you know, the ideology is just so strong in allopathic medicine, right? That's why in part I'm coming to the U.S. or coming back, right? Because I grew up here. Um, and I still have that cultural aspect. 
And um, because in Mexico, they feel good with certain things. Some do carry out a little bit more of the program. But in general, it's like, okay, I got nutrition. I got this. I feel better. Fine, right? Started seeing some politicians and other types of, you know, like high status people. And they're still on it because they require that performance, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, in general, it's, it's still just more of a fad. Like right now going to the gym and doing certain things and like um, that they're not there yet. And here in the United States, there are a lot of people and even in Canada, like you that, you know, and, or me that were motivated into learning and, and there's ways to understand it in Spanish. You don't have that amount of information. So part of my goals, you know, depending on how everything goes is getting all this also in Spanish, right? So that way you've got two languages and, and people can really learn it because most of it's in English and most people don't speak in English in Mexico or in other people or in other places, or they don't have access to books, right? That are in English or, or, you know, sources of information, right? Well, dead doctors don't lie is in Spanish. It is available in Espanol. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's only one book. I had a couple of people offer to translate some of my books into Spanish. I don't think it ever happened. I know translating is a big job, but yeah, you're 100% right. The Spanish market is our second biggest market technically, but it might be the first biggest market if the material was out there in Spanish. There, There's so many and their their diabetes and obesity rates are absolutely terrible in Mexico, completely catching up with America, if not surpassing it in some places in Mexico. So yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. that need a lot of help. And this information simply is not in Spanish for the most part. So yeah, translations are needed. Anyone who speaks Spanish here wants to translate some books. My offer is 50% of the profits for life, which is pretty good. Translate any book, whatever it sells in Spanish, 50% of the profits. I don't know how much that's going to end up being, but percentages are good to me. <laughs> well, maybe I'll translate them with that offer. <laughs> 50% is you know, a good I, deal. I would get 0% if it wasn't in Spanish, right? Yeah, I actually, I've, I've done some work translating, for example, for um, neurofeedback, because I was like, they can't reach the people. So I actually work with some clinics in neurofeedback, and they send me, they're more f- focused on the metabolic aspect, because they present cases, and I'm like, okay, so they're missing this and this, and they're need a little bit more of this so then i get referrals and that grew a lot i had no idea it was going to grow so much um but again it's like okay barely anyone does neural feedback over there so i translated it for people that are trying to get um certifications and stuff but again it's like it's it's so limited to english and that is needed so i believe that's going to be one of the next steps, if you really want to get, you know, worldwide or at least America, you know, South America, Central America, and because there are some places where there's presence, but there's not enough material. And it's not also understandable, you know, the uh, layman language or it's it can be too technical or, you know, so it can be very you, difficult to translate, to be honest, because, yeah, we have a lot of very specialized words that may not even exist in the language you're trying to translate it into. We make up words in this business. We make up all kinds of nutraceuticals. It's not a real word. We made it up. Yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> but well, words are uh, so they can point to something, right. And we can form an agreement about it. So in any case, well, if we make them up and they start being used, well, then you've got a new word, right. It mm-hmm. won't have a Greek uh, root or, <laughs> or Latin or anything of or Sanskrit, you know, but in either case, you know, 
you don't need it to transmit an idea. So um, I just wouldn't go so technical because I can go way more technical, but if depends on who you're talking to, right? So um, in any case, you go way too technical, you're leaving the rest of the public outside. So just like language can create um, bridges so people can understand and communicate and everything, they are also ways of excluding people, right? Even if you have like your own words with friends so no one else understands, same thing, right? So getting this, all this stuff, Spanish, I mean, you mentioned Dive Doctors Don't Lie, which is translated, but how many other of the books, right? Or in any case, even orthomolecular, you barely get them. Or- I have the uh, I have in my possession the Spanish version of Let's Play Doctor by Dr. Wallach that was never released. So I'm hoping to release that. I've got it here ready. It's my next uh, big project in line, actually. But yeah, there's there's just so much information. We are so spoiled in the English speaking world with information that uh, it's just I think we don't realize that other cultures don't have access to this and especially Spanish. And to me, also, especially Arabic, those are the two biggest uh, language barriers that I'd like to breach, especially because a lot of uh, Spanish and uh, Arabic speakers, like you said, they don't speak English and they actually don't need to. Whereas if you go to Europe, you know, I, I don't think we need our books in German, at least not as a priority, because most Germans speak English as well. Right. Most Danish people, right. Swedish people, Norwegians, they, they all speak English as well. You go to Europe, you're going to be fine. Right. You go right. to uh, Qatar, you're probably not going to be fine. You know, go to the middle of Mexico, going directly over the border in Mexico, you're probably not going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, completely. And and it's and it's also more than just a language thing. It's also the cultural aspect, how they understand it. And the same word, you know, in Colombia is not going to be the same word in Mexico, or you know, it's the same word, but it has a different meaning and how you apply it, right? So so yeah, it's it's, it's tricky. You know, it's tricky, but but you can get to it. And more than that, understanding how people think and what they do to know how to approach. Because if you don't know how to approach, it's like, oh, yeah, so you can be like healthier. And they're like, ah, oh, but I feel good. Yeah, but you can feel better. Yeah, well, why? You know, <laughs> you know you, you'll, you'll, you'll start bumping into these um, answers. And it's like, ah, you know, if you understand the mentality, then you know kind of like how you can approach. But over there, for example, you need like people that are in certain, have a certain status. And so they believe it. You know, I, I know this is, you know, worldwide, it's natural. But to have it to that extent, they're not used to really digging in that much. So you really have to go to the extreme layman form. And um, and that usually works. You know, um, I like the layman only, form. That's, that's what we do. Kindergarten, we do, we do the 101 version over and over again. Well, yeah. I mean, why would we need more if we're not like in a lab and just for scientific, you know, research or something, you know? But how do you extract all that stuff it's what you're doing what i used to do right i've already got you know what i'm interested in and and um so yeah you got the studies you got people that translate it they kind of put it into layman or you go into the clinical or you go into the you know um, biochemical straight there and you're like you you learn all that stuff but is it like really necessary and will that really help for the usage i mean you can tweak things right you can create forms but 
if you want someone to take that supplement or eat something, you're not going to get it like, oh, okay, you know, um, eat your chicken liver because it has cholesterol. You know, it's like, oh, do you want better brain function? You can't think right. Oh, okay, you're having low testosterone. Oh, why don't you try this? You know, it's (laughs) very, very, very easy to get lost in the details and get confused by it. I'm reading a book right now about stress. And yeah, it's got me a little bit confused. It keeps going into such excruciating details about all these little chemical reactions and stuff and all all these little enzymes and stuff that I've never even heard of. And I'm not going to remember and everything. I'm just I'm feeling like I'm kind of uh, unlearning. I'm I'm learning. I know less now reading the book than I did before starting it. I feel like I don't know. it, it, It scrambled my brain a little bit. So Yannick, I do want to talk about results that you've had. I'm also interested, how do you how do you find clients? Like you, you don't have a clinic and everything. So how do you operate? And is, is this your your full-time thing? You don't do anything else on the side? So tell us just a little bit about how you work with clients and some of the results that you get or expect, maybe some of the cases that stand out to you. And do you have a name? Do you have a name for your, your program? Is it this program the is Phoenix unique program. to you? The Phoenix program. So you made I, that up. You're you're the yeah, you're I made originator. It up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I made all of it up. I puzzled it together and uh, uh so I do have a webpage um which is phoenix-program.com. Oh wait. Yeah, yeah, it's .com, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but it's phoenix that but it's with an f, not with a ph cuz you know it was in Mexico so I kind of like hybridized it a little bit. Okay. And um, so, but that's very recent. I actually developed this in a few years and I was, well, just like you, you know, studying up on three, four buck, uh, books per year. No, I mean per year, per month, but, you know, taking it from the theory to the, you know, using it, right. Mm-hmm. It's very different and dominating it. It's, it's not the same thing. Right. But in any case, um, the people started knowing about me because I did it and they asked, Right. And this is like you at the gym and stuff and people just noticing like, hey, Yannick, you're in great shape. You're looking good. What's up? Your, your skin's clear. What's up? Can you help me? Okay. So no, first, first I was just like, um, I was talking about my own experience, right? With tapping. So then people started becoming interesting. And then I started um, giving out sessions. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll help you out. And I didn't charge anything. So I did that for some time. But then I started noticing people require to pay something for it. If they don't, they won't understand the value. It's just so tied to it, uh, unfortunately, right? But I was like, huh, I don't want to charge, but okay, yeah, I do have to live on it <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, do these other things so I can sustain it and get the message out. Eventually, I started writing about it on Facebook and people, you know, friends started asking, but I, I everything was like in, on, in Spanish, right? So then people started asking, they started coming in for sessions and they started getting results and they started telling family members and friends. So I started seeing people from ranging from, you know, that person to the grandparents all the way down to the nephew, no, not the, uh, the grandchild. So I started seeing like complete entire families this way. They were like, oh, he helped me with this and this. And, you know, it just started spreading. And it was a little, it was difficult to really say, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. Because they were like, you know, this person that just didn't get a hip replacement because they're fine now says they're okay. But this other person that has trauma is also recommending you. So where do you like, (laughs) how do you piece it together? So, um, so that's how I started like getting people, um, 
well, just communicating and, and looking me up. And then I started getting certifications and I started going into like lunch and learns or stuff like that, like which are pretty much like this um, ways of uh, neurofeedback communities to um, learn about things and, you know, have everyone pitch in with their specialties. So I started talking about that, you know, all the, 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 the functional aspect of it. And they, I started getting a lot of references from the United States because I used to have just in Mexico in different States, right. I started getting recognitions in this aspect. And I also um, was certified in biowell. So it's a, it's a, it's a type of Russian equipment. So you can check energy States in your body. And um, it's very useful if you understand how to do it um, just like as a lifestyle approach. Like, okay, so if you eat this stuff, you can see like your large intestine and your colon and your small intestine, you're, you're getting like high energy or inflammation or this or that. And it's very quick. So I use those groups as well in Mexico. I started um, and people started uh, searching me up and for me to teach them how to use it as well. And neurofeedback, I started getting into these other groups and just, you know, just recommending. And then they started sending me people. And, um, and then I started working with clinics and it's, you know, amazing sometimes because I started with one person and it's like, ah, yeah, let me, let me try with my sister. Right. So let's see how she feels. And I was like, oh, okay. So she's good. Let's try with my mom. Let's try with my husband, you know, let's try with my friends. And she started doing it as well. And then it was like people up to 30, 35, you know, just from one person. So it just kept on spreading and they check my website and it's just more like for an explanation and the landing page. So they're like, they know a little bit of what it's about, but it has all been from word of mouth. You know, it's just like they're talking about it and they come and then they always want to share. So this is, this is the great part because a person feels good and they want to share it with someone. They, they, they want it for their parents or they want it for their children or or anyone. So that's pretty much how it came into being. But I haven't really been in this for, for, you know, more than five years and I, since I started, you know, but, but I just went really quick and I started getting results and I started, you know, um, improving it until a point where it was right now I'm, um, I'm in Los Angeles because the idea is to set up a clinic also uh, a brand that's affordable and have my own type of, you know, mixtures as well. Um, but in a way where people, people can really get it, get everything they require. Um, so that's, that's one of my goals, but it's, it's really not happening yet. So right now it's still just, you know, different people that come to me recommendations i haven't even created any any more webinars i did start with webinars and some youtube but you know just one video brought in so many people so um so right now i'm i'm pretty much going to do that probably other businesses that are not related a little bit on more on my um investment background and other aspects so i could also finance this right but but yeah that's that's where i'm at right now that's how people know about me um it grew a lot more here in the united states than it did in mexico because um i wasn't going the commercial route i'm still not there yet you know i'm just going to start it but it, it was just by word of mouth and by certain um groups um that are into health and you know they got 
if I think that's the best way, right? You get, you, you achieve results, you share them. That that's, that's all you need. I mean, because I could bluff, you know, and talk about it, but there's nothing like knowing someone that says, Oh, well, I remember you had this and now you don't have it. Right. So, um, you are depressed and you're not depressed. You're off all these meds. You're off insulin. You're off. So they're like, yeah, this is great. Oh, I've been going to the psychologist for this long, but my trauma is worse. Right. <laughs> so, um, so then they're, they don't have to go to the psychologist in like two, three months. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to stick with you for your entire life. I mean, I can keep on showing you life skills, but when it comes to trauma, you're, you're good. You know, it's, it's gone. You can live your life, right? You, so pretty much that's my approach. It's dual. So people usually know me from the metabolic aspect. I just use um, the approach. I'm an advisor, right? I advise you on what to do, how to do it, why. But I don't go farther than that. I, I don't have to bluff with you know all the certifications. I know it's important for certain people. But more than that, it's is it working for you? And if it is then, you know, just use it. And I'm, I used to have so many uh, <laughs> issues with doctors and friends that studied medicine. So I would write something on Facebook and they would just like go in and bars and they're like, no, no, you, you can kill someone with this. And, you know, it's so dangerous. Oh You're goodness, so yeah. irresponsible. And I'm like, okay, yeah, here are the studies, here are the results. This is okay. So what are you basing yourself on? Oh, this is a study. You're, I'm like, okay, so this is, I mean, do you know which type of study it is? So that's when I had to go like really granular and really specific. And oh yeah, is it a cohort? Is it a? Um, did you look at um, the the process, the experimentation, this and that? They didn't know how to read it. They really don't know how to read it in general. So they would just like try and pile up with different um, other doctors and just like add him in, like like the let's try and bully our way into truth. Like let the the more the better, like a, a mob type type of thing. Facebook's that, a dangerous place, man. Dangerous. Yeah, but it attracted it. It actually gave me a lot of clients because they were looking at it. So, and some were like, "Man, I'm I'm eating my popcorn just looking at all this debate, and you know, it's just getting so crazy." And um, and they get so angry, right? And I was like, "Yeah." Um, it's incredible. I, to... I, I remember way back at the beginning, same thing on Facebook, right? I didn't have Instagram. I, I didn't know what I was doing. So I started posting stuff on Facebook as well. And yeah, people come out of the woodwork. I mean, medical people coming out of the woodwork to attack me. My goodness. One of the worst that I ever uh, experienced was about collagen regrowth. And you probably know, I mean, I, I know this is bread and butter stuff in our business, regrowing <laughs> collagen. What are you talking about? This is fundamental here this happens all the time who is arguing that that wounds can heal right your body produces connective tissue when it heals a wound like what why is this in debate but yet apparently still the, the medical world at large thinks it's a contentious thing to say that you can actually regrow cartilage that's that's heretical no you can't no you can't my textbook says it can't my t my teacher said it can't and we've just been repeating the same thing for 50 years and they see it, and then they discard it. Oh, you did. Oh, it worked for you. That's great. That's it, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, you don't have asthma anymore. What? In two weeks? Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, you don't have hi uh, hypotension or hypertension, right? Hypo is much diff more difficult, right? But, oh, okay. And they don't, 
I mean, it'll take away their livelihood if they do something different. Some do want to approach or work with, but it, it's few and far between, at least in Mexico. Let me let me uh, jump in on on this. I think this is just a, a very very important thing. A lot of people say, well, you know, how do you, how do you know? You know, we talk about this being a results based business. How do you really know? Well, some things are easy. Like you see the A one C come down quickly. You know, okay, we got a blood sugar result. Boom, it's right there in the numbers. But a lot of things, like you were mentioning earlier, like uh, with the psychological stuff, it can be weird because it took me a long time to really sit back and reflect and be like, huh, I'm not depressed anymore. You know, you hear about the frog that gets boiled slowly and it doesn't notice what's going on. It works the (laughs) the same way in the other direction, too, when it's cooling off and you don't know exactly where to put the line that, oh, I'm not sick anymore. You know, or someone who, like you mentioned, you were very sick and had all these food intolerance and all all this other stuff. You know, someone who was sick all the time, they go down to getting sick, you know, only once in the last five months or something. And I'm just saying that to me. We see a lot of this where it's obvious progress. Things are doing good. Haven't had a seizure in, in a long time or whatever, whatever. But we all have a hard time pinpointing things down like, you know, OK, is this epilepsy reversed? Right. And legally, we're not even allowed to declare this. We can only say you've been in remission for, you know, 10 years. You haven't had a seizure, but you're still in remission. We can't we're not legally allowed to say that you've actually been cured. It's just quite a weird uh, situation. And then just to comment on what you said with these doctors, we run into this all the time because we crave documentation to prove a lot of what we say. We have the textbook, you know, we have the the biological data, but real world case studies, most of them are in our heads. You know, I don't keep, I just started keeping digital files, but for the most part, I got, I got notes and they're all over the place and I throw them out and, you know, we've got email threads and they're all, they're just, it's a mess. You know, it's not systematized. Dr. Wallach never, since he's been on the road 30 plus years, he never attempted to keep case files on people. And then even worse is that when we take over a doctor's client, you know, they've been going to their family doctor, they've been going to their endocrinologist or whatever for, for 15 years, they find us, they start working with us. They go back to the endocrinologist, they go or they go back to whatever the orthopedic doctor, whoever it is they're dealing with. And they say, Hey, doc, I don't think I need a knee surgery anymore. Hey, doc, my A1C is healthy. Now I actually haven't been taking the metformin. What do you think? And like you said, that exact reaction is very common. It's probably the most common where they just say, oh, well, that's good. Keep doing it. But they don't ask, well, what did you do? Who gave you that advice? What products did you use? What doses did you use? How long did you have to take it? Did you get any reactions at first? Did you have to do any food changes? Did you do any lifestyle changes at the same time? These are all questions that I would ask to figure out what happened and to teach myself how to help people better. But I've never, ever heard that come from a a doctor in a, in a clinic, at least that a client's telling us this is how their doctor reacted. Uh, yesterday, I had a doctor ask about histamine headaches, and he was very, very respectful. Um, when he, we spoke on message, he says, thank you. I'm you know, I don't pretend to know everything. I'm still looking for answers. I have histamine headaches. I would like to get to the bottom of them. He said something like that. That was great. That's one in a billion. <laughs> one, one in a million. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times, too, just last point here, these doctors will refuse to give us the final evidence that the the problem has in fact been fixed. We've had people go back to the doctor and say, hey, doc, I don't think I need that knee surgery anymore. Can we take another x-ray to prove this? Can I have the x-ray? Can I keep it? Can I take a picture of it with the phone? Can, you know, can I have this evidence? And a lot of times they'll refuse the x-ray. They'll do a little examination. They say, hey, I think your knee is fine right now. We don't need an x-ray. Or they'll refuse to do an, an extra series of blood tests. They'll say, look, if you don't have the problem anymore, I'm not going to uh, sign off on another blood test because you don't require a blood test to diagnose a problem. 
right? Since they only deal with problems, that's all they're interested in. But if you go in and say, hey, doc, I fixed my problem. Just my point here is that almost always, I can't think of any exceptions, but almost always they refuse to provide that final evidence that the client would need and that we would need to prove that their blood pressure is healthier, prove that, you know, whatever has been, blood pressure is not a good example because you can check it yourself. But whatever tests that we need done, the same ones that they diagnosed the problem with in the first place, we need that done again to prove that they that it's fixed and they just usually won't give it to us. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's become a type of religion, you know? And um, so it's like, it's it's based on a belief, what is being told, you know? And you just follow it. And that's what I've seen most doctors do, not all of them, but most of them. And, um, you know, and how can you be in the no, you know, promising not to harm your patient if you've got the most toxic form of approach because you're using poisons, right? That's what medication is. Not that a poison can't be used. Of course it can, right? Antibiotics, antifungal, you know, um, it can be used. Why not? I mean, it, it can save your life. Absolutely. Um, but there are a lot of other ones, but it will have another effect, right? It'll also mess up your gut microbiome. So you have to repopulate it um, and other things, right? So um, a lot of other ones, they're more toxic. So is it the safest? Well, no, that's why I went through this approach, orthomolecular, you know, the minerals, the lifestyle, the everything, you know, it's, it's the least risk to reward ratio. And the highest risk, I mean, you'd have to take about a pound, a little bit less, but a pound of vitamin C, theoretically, like the LD50, like in mice, to be able to um, to die, right? <laughs> and when you go into the um, you go into the statistics, how many people really die from it? I mean, they're all shady, like one or two a year after the hundreds of thousands, and it's like, and it's like um, level of certainty, it's the lowest. Like, I don't know, but let's say it was this, right? Yeah, you cannot for certain say that a, that a vitamin killed you, definitely not. There's even, I think, like four deaths a year in the US. I could be wrong on this number, but I think it's four deaths a year in the US are attributed to iron supplements, which I could, mm -hmm. I guess, theoretically believe if the dose was massive. But at the same time, I'm like, how are they figuring this out? These people probably have chronic disease in the first place. They're probably just statistically most likely to be eating the American diet and have multiple nutrient deficiencies. How are you going to tell me that the iron supplement for sure is the thing that killed them, even if they had uh, extra too much iron if in the blood? Like it was obvious they had way too much iron, even if that was still the, the single identifying factor. I would doubt that that would be the only actual factor in reality, because, again, they were probably already deficient to begin with. Why did they take the iron in the first place? Right. Were they anemic? Right. And, you know, they took too much or whatever. Well, OK, anemic. Is proof that they already had a problem to begin with. So just saying, just that there's always going to be a lot of confounding factors. And unless it's just like a super dose of a powerful herb or something, herbal tincture, I still have a hard time believing it. You have to be weak and sick in the first place if a supplement's going to take you down. Yeah, it's, it's just so hard. I mean, and especially with the types of supplements most people take, you know, most are Chinese, you barely absorb any of it. Yeah, they might have heavy metal, well, not heavy metals, but like titanium, which is pretty bad and stuff like that. But even in those cases, I mean, for it to kill you that way, eh, you know, I'm not buying it. And especially with what I've, the people I've worked with, the amounts that I use, the quantities, you know, it's just, it's just like, uh, we had no idea. But anyways, let's say it is so. All right, let's let's benefit of doubt. Let's let's even multiply that by 10. 
And you can contrast that with the amount of people that, you know, die from medication, from the poisons, right? It's upwards of 400,000 plus. So then it's like, okay, so so now what, right? Um, Which route will you go? And it's not just to treat a disease. I mean, what you're really doing is you are giving the cells, like, you know, cartilage. You were talking about cartilage, right? Well, those cells aren't dead, are they? (laughs) They just don't have the material they require. Another issue with vegans, they have to produce, and it's a lot harder than if you would take collagen, for example, type 2. Maybe even boost it up with some hyaluronic acid. So in any case, it's, it's just like the cells aren't dead most of the time. And if you do have some, are you sure they're still dead? It's all just pure assumption an assumption and assumption, like you said, oh, like these deaths, are they also pure? Assum- I mean, they're assuming it. We really don't know. And, in, you know, in the same way, it's like, yeah, was everything brought from um, also a deficiency? I'd say most of it, but it has to do with performance. That's why I want to like, so important to integrate the performance. So <laughs> Dr. Wag does go into that with sports, right? I actually... I'm not, you know, barely known like in public or anything, but I've I've coined at least in the circles like also not just big food, big pharma, but big sports. I mean, how can people not see it, right? It's an industry. So big sports have their own interests. When it gets too big, just like Wi-Fi, all the wireless technology, it's too big. It cannot be objective. So there's too much money in there. So just call it big and know that all those studies, they will not be reliable if it comes from, um, you know, the same industry or someone that's associated with it. It just can't because they're more focused on sales. That's, that's the reality. And when it comes to sports, it's the same thing. All the trends right now, just they're doing and doing stuff. Yeah, they're in their 20s. They're in their 30s. Wait till they're 40 if they get there right? I'm sure I had a uh, congested heart. I am so sure of that, you know, I <laughs> had so many issues, right? Um, but especially eating, eating the tuna, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> yeah. it's so easy to understand. Let's, you- well, let's touch on that quickly, the thiamine ace thing. But yeah, let me, let me also comment quickly too, that the sports, sports medicine thing, sports science thing. It was just a few years ago when this flood of studies came out about BCAAs, and as I like, I'd never really heard much focus on BCAAs before. Like, yeah, they're, they're amino acids, branch chain amino acids, they call them. Uh, but no one ever made that, that big of a deal out of them. But all of a sudden, the sports medicine, uh, fitness world, you know, the fitness supplement world, like the, I would call it the mainstream supplement world, jumped on this BCAA thing. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, everyone was thinking they're somewhat of a panacea. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. So yeah, good point. Don't take uh, those studies that face value in my opinion there's probably some pretty critical data left out of that or a very vigorous process of selecting subjects for the study in order to get the the results that they were looking for and i'm not saying bcaas are bad by any means just saying that the uh, a lot of the stuff that was coming out sounded very very um unrealistic it just sounded a little bit too good to be true especially for people like us who have experience already with these with these things you can tell when it sounds kind of like a marketing campaign Anyway, so this uh, this thing, thiaminase, this enzyme that destroys thiamine, thiamine B1, very, very important 
vitamin, all the vitamins are important. Thiamine is particularly important. And yeah, just a lot of people don't know about this. This doesn't come up very often. So I figure we should touch on it just a little bit. You mentioned tuna. Tuna is not one of the uh, fish that's classically thought of as having thiaminase, but it, it does. Not as much as something like sardines or anchovies, to my knowledge. But there is a long list of, uh, they're, they're all sea creatures, I think. Maybe there's a couple of exceptions. You could look into it. But there are certain uh, foods that have this thiaminase in it. And if you don't cook them, then it destroys thiamine in your body. And the end result of thiamine deficiency, severe thiamine deficiency, is basically a whole body that's shutting down. So neuropathy would be sort of the first major symptoms you would see. But then you could see congestive heart failure later on. And we know this in animals too, by the way. You can fix congestive heart failure in a 2,500-pound bowl with like 10 bucks worth of thiamine, injectable thiamine. Or you'd buy one, you'd buy a kit for like 20 bucks and... Who knows if the first shot saved him, but whatever, 20 bucks to save your 2,000 pound bull from congestive heart failure, thiamine. Right. So just, yeah, if you, if you are eating a lot, I've only seen this come up a couple of times with clients where we're really having a hard time figuring out what's wrong with them. They're on the basic, you know, they're on the 90, they're, they're off the bad foods. Uh, why are they still having these weird symptoms until you really start talking to them about what they eat during the day? And there's only been a couple cases, like I said, or they love sardines. They love anchovies. Or whatever, and they eat, they eat that thing, you know, three, four, five times a week, and wow, that can actually kill you, literally. It can, it can cause you to have congestive heart failure and die. And this, uh, at, before I throw it back to you, this is actually what was killing the whales and the dolphins, uh, the cetaceans in captivity in the in the 60s and 70s. Don't know exactly when it was, when Dr. Wallach showed up on the scene and said, hey, you, you got to stop giving them smelt. Smelt, just another small fish that has a lot of thiaminase in it. They were giving the dolphins smelt. It was cheap. And they said, hey, they're fish eaters. We're going to give them fish. Well, first of all, they're going to have nutrient deficiencies if you don't fill that in with something else. And uh, yeah, second of all, this thiaminase thing. So we just switched the type of fish, stuffed the fish with more vitamins and minerals, which is now the standard practice throughout the zoo industry in general, and uh, stopped the problem immediately. Instead of them having to go out and catch new dolphins and whales every year, literally, most of these zoos, every <laughs> single year, they had to go and get new ones. Now they can live... Uh, 20, 40, I can't remember what the longest lived one is. Longest lived whale in captivity. Got to be over 40 years. Yeah, one uh, just, she's the oldest. She's lived there since, she's been, she was caught in 1969 and she's still alive. This is an orca in 2023. So way longer than a year now. This problem has been completely solved just by stopping the thiaminase. You have anything extra to add to thiaminase or did I, did I cover that? Yeah, yeah, I'd say thiamine is such an important vitamin, you know. Um, so yeah, people start feeling it in the nerves or nervous system, right? And why is that? Because it's just requires so much energy in the heart. It requires so much energy. So if you want to produce it, right, like a furnace and get high yield energy, well, you're going to need it. So that's why beriberi or, you know, just you can have all these symptoms and just not find it because I, I always work at a cell like an, a cellular energetic level right I, I look at it that way <laughs> and um if you have the thiaminase then it'll just you won't absorb it again or it'll be destroyed not just thiaminase even tannic acid so I know it's like with all functional medicine doctors, I mean, at least the ones I've seen, it's like, oh, eat your blueberries. They're great forever, you know, eat a, eat a bunch of them. Yeah, but they're higher in fructose and they're, very, they're higher in tannic acid as well. 
and um and why why are people eating so much they're like starting it and then they crave it and the, there's a reason for that if you're craving it so much probably isn't good for you in a way so that's another way where you can't it's you know the 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 time and is destroyed it's just it's just so important for all the activity so in the same way you can go overboard and have your cells produce well they're working uh, so quick that you deplete other reserves right so i do use thiamine usually i use special forms as well and thiaminase you know raw raw um raw fish you know it's culprit also rice um for example, I, I remember Dave Asprey's a big fan of, of white rice. And I'm like, I'm not at all. You can just feel it if you eat it. <laughs> it's really quick on your, you'll notice the energy levels, right? But just like in Japan, you can notice these issues, right? They're just so common. So, so yeah, that, that'd be the only thing I'd say about diamondase and raw fish in general and tannic acid and vegetables or fruits that, Again, it destroys what you need, and we're not really designed to eat much of it. We wouldn't find loads of it, you know. It, it's just not. It wouldn't be that easy under natural circumstances. So, um, with these huge energetic issue, you know, these foods that are so um, so hollow, and this invisible starvation we have, thiaminase can be critical and destroying what's left of what you have. So eating raw fish constantly and everything along with the mercury, you know, why even do it? You know, there's just, I I think that's something that is barely talked about and it is very important. So let's use this to uh, transition into alcohol. Just wanted to touch on it briefly because we were talking about sleep earlier. I think we should mention that, Alcohol may be one of the biggest disruptors of sleep. I forget how big of a problem alcohol is because I don't really drink very much. And most of my friends don't drink at all. My family and all, you know, a pretty dry uh, circle here that I'm in. So I just forget how popular alcohol is. And I go back and drive around America and I realize there's a liquor liquor store literally on every corner in, in every town in America. And it's very likely one of the massive contributors to the massive problem of insomnia. Uh, it's been estimated, I think, 40%, 45% of the Canadian population has some problem with insomnia. And the numbers are similar in, in most countries, you know, up upwards around 40%. You know, on the low end, it's more like a, a quarter or one in six people has insomnia in most of these modern countries. But yeah, a- estimates go all the way up to 40, 45% when you uh, broaden your definition of insomnia just a little bit. And alcohol can most definitely contribute to that. I mentioned that B vitamins are one of the most important to getting a good sleep. Of course, calcium, magnesium and stuff as well, but B vitamins particularly. And alcohol does contribute to thiamine deficiency by providing calories for your body's machinery, but without the thiamine. So you need the B vitamins to process the calories or the carbs but when you're eating these so, or drinking these empty calories, so to speak, that don't have any vitamins in it, now you're actually calling, you're demanding your body's reserves to deal with the alcohol. Does that make sense? So when you eat food that has nutrients in it, some of those nutrients are going to be used to actually digest that same food. But when you eat barren food, like alcohol or processed sugar that has literally nothing else in it, it doesn't come with any of its own vitamins or minerals to help with the digestion to help the enzymes deal with it. 
So yet now your body has to give its own B vitamins or minerals to help digest this alcohol. And alcohol, obviously, it, it dehydrates. And maybe you have some more comments here, but I definitely thought I should mention that if you're not sleeping well and you drink alcohol at all, you should consider getting off the alcohol and see if that has an immediate, more or less immediate result on your sleep, because it probably will. Oh, it definitely does. <laughs> if you have an aura ring, right, you'll know. You'll just see your heart rate goes up, temperature goes up. You don't feel as, as uh, relaxed the next day. It's just so obvious, right? Um, and it, it, it has this impact, especially, again, heart and brain. It's just like turning on the fat switch, right? I think at 80% is um, metabolized in the liver. Fructose, another big uh, issue, right? Um, 100% in the liver. And it just sends you into this negative energy state because it goes into overdrive. But in any case, alcohol, I see it more of a, you know, it's the allowed um, drug, just like caffeine. Mm-hmm. So people can keep on doing things and not be as stressed enough. They have a way out, you know, somehow. But I never say, oh, yeah, alcohol is going to be like healthy, right? Maybe if you were like in, uh, you have a lifestyle where you're not that stressed and sometimes it even helps in social gatherings, but not going overboard and once in a while. And But you, you have all this behind you. Okay, it'll be sustainable, but the way we're using it and just thinking about it metabolically, hell no. I mean, it's just staring back at you, right? You go, you wake up, you know it, you feel it, but doctors then say, even functional doctors, well, yeah, you can take some wine because it has resveratrol. I mean, yeah, but it also has a lot of mycotoxins. It's also um, alcohol. So you, you need the oxidants and the antioxidants, right? <laughs> you need both to have like this um, up and down, the, 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 you know, the goings on, the, the, the processes. And if you have a lot more from one than the other, then you have issues. Like you said, it's very empty, right? Um, that's why you, you take like five to six grams of vitamin C. You start, um, there's some studies showing that you know, you start losing some weight, the the fatty liver and everything. So it seems to have this contrary effect, which yeah, it's a potent antioxidant, right? So um, vitamin C is also similar as a glucose as a glucose molecule, right? <laughs> so in any case, you know, just just understanding that alcohol is not going to be healthy. High fructose and without the vitamins, not going to be healthy. Um, even, you know, you'll get fat because in other times it would be important to be fat when there isn't food, mm-hmm. right? So it's the fat switch. There's a reason our body's doing it. It's, it's, it's not stupid, right? It's not like, oh, so something happened. It's, so the, 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 the term of dysfunctional is kind of like label. Like you said, you got it. You've been diagnosed with something. You're going to have it for life and you don't work. So it gives you even this, this mental idea of, oh, I'm never going to be able to do it. And if you believe it, you're in trouble because then you'll require the meds forever or believe you do, right? But with alcohol, yeah, alcohol, big no-no. If I go, if I take on addiction cases, you know, CEOs or people that have have high uh, stress and pressure, 
they go for alcohol, but I would not do it without supplementation. I would not at all. There's no way. No, I do have to, especially B vitamins in high doses. But obviously, we would say just all 90th century nutrients. Alcohol is going to deplete many different nutrients because it's a diuretic too. So it's increasing the rate that you're flushing all the water soluble nutrients. It's also a poison, so it's going to be calling demands on your fatty nutrients as well in the liver to deal with that poison. Poisons are dealt with in the right. liver. So big, big problem, but it's most definitely a deficiency problem. I would literally call alcoholism a deficiency disease itself. And I'd say it's producing so much metabolic waste, you know, that in the end, your body still needs also reserves to clear it up. So it produces deficiencies. It doesn't just work on a, a deficient um, person. I mean, it'll create them. And so will fructose in certain amounts and in the way you find it. And even from fruit, if you're constantly eating you know, high amounts of fructose, it will and it does produce deficiencies because you're speeding up, right? You're speeding up the amount of nutrients you're using and you're creating, um, you know, fat cells. You're creating them. It's not just, you know, you're, you're going from one cell to another. You're creating constantly. It takes nutrients. It takes reserves, metabolism, right? I can label it as good or bad, like good for what, you know, <laughs> it depends on your take on it. But in either case, um, alcohol, other than just being this social drug, I don't, I don't find much use for it. And, um, uh, you know, diamond, niacin, so useful for these cases. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, great for you to point it out because alcohol is, a big thing and also my take on caffeine is that it is another issue because it's a stimulant yeah it's, you mentioned you just... prefer tea let me let me throw this out here maybe i should no. try this because it's it's been quite a while but always through my whole life i was not able to handle tea even until recently it's probably been about a year since i've tried it but every time i have tea it makes me nauseous no matter what no matter if it's a herbal tea a sleep tea you know, a dandelion tea, almost any tea, but especially the normal black and green teas, they just make me feel absolutely nauseous. Even when I've known about the nutrition stuff and I'm all hydrated and all that still makes me nauseous. Do you have any thoughts on that? Okay. I'm thinking, um, well, they're usually more alkaline and um, they can affect you a little bit on your digestion it's like baking soda i use baking soda quite a lot and it's so useful and so do doctors you know when it's some um, internal medicine or when they're like uh, these emergencies and diabetes and stuff and ketoacidosis and you know baking soda can be so useful but the acid um base can be impacted also by teas for example green tea matcha green tea it's more alkaline, right? But I don't want to go into this, oh, just because it's alkaline, it's good. No, it's just that people are usually so acidic that it's it's useful. But if you go way to the other side, then you're in, pr- in trouble too. So um, you might have a little bit of an issue there when you take it as well. I mean, we can, we can check that out later on. And there could be an association issue too. I mean, maybe an experience there that you had, which um, you had a bad experience with tea. And so you remember it, but it's unconscious, right? See, I always tried. Th- I tried to drink tea, though, because I never liked coffee. Might might sound kind of funny, but when someone showed me coffee, I took a sip of it, and I thought it was the most disgusting thing in the world because everybody here drinks what they call double doubles or triple triples. 
it's, so it's, it's got uh, sugar and cream in it. And I just mm-hmm. thought this, this is absolutely disgusting. Why would anyone drink this? So for some reason I like black tea or sorry, black coffee. But anyways, I thought I hated coffee because it had sugar and whatever. What I thought was coffee was really just sugar and cream. Anyways. So all that time I wanted to drink tea. I was an insomniac. I had chronic fatigue. Like I was miserable. I was tired, but I, I wanted that kick. I just didn't like coffee. And uh, so I tried to buy to do the tea. And I, I honestly thought the tea was the healthier option too back then. And it just, it, it never happened. I don't, I don't remember any bad experience. My parents never gave me tea or anything like that. But yeah, every now and then I try tea again. Maybe I'll even try it again. As soon as we finish this podcast, I'll go make some tea and I'll see, I'll see what happened. But uh, it makes me kind of nervous because, yeah, it just I, I can't explain it. Even now being like I feel great, got lots of energy, all that stuff. I'm definitely not acidic. And my nutrients are all on point. Everything is fine. Tea makes me nauseous. Yeah, I was thinking, no, yeah, you're not acidic. You're a little bit more to the alkaline side. But back in the day, I would have like when I was a kid, I would have been hardcore acidic for sure. Yeah. Well, I tried again. <laughs> You know, um, because there are certain foods that I could not tolerate or eat. And then now I can, you know, so sometimes it changes. If for some reason you just definitely can't, well, then again, then you can't, right? Like with me, eggs, I can't, I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it so many times and I've just not been able to do it. So, um, so with tea, so for starters, I'm not a fan of caffeine, right? Why? Because it's going to speed up processes. What is that going to do? It's going to speed up usage of nutrients. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where will that lead? And consuming something doesn't mean you'll absorb it. That that's something that is very much preached in, you know, the 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 crowd that you're talking to, and it is right. But it's also not. It doesn't mean that you will be able to transform it, even if you absorb it. Right. So that's the thing. Um, so are you being able to? You don't know why. Right. So you get a lot of mercury, for example, you can have a lot of issues with sulfury foods. You're not sensitive because of the food. You might be sensitive because it's responding to the sulfur and it's attracting the mercury and it's flowing around in your blood and then it goes somewhere else and you've got like this cough or stuff. Right. So in the same way with certain substances, there's a reason your cells are choosing not to do it. So that's where functional biology comes in. It's it's not just of if you do this, this will happen. It's not how it works. The cells are the ones that are doing it, right? Um, and for tea, well, I mean, I went for matcha green tea because not only does coffee produce spikes in blood sugar, and that's what causes so many issues, hormonal, you know, everyone I see. I just focus on, okay, let's see blood sugar issues. <laughs> this will impact your immune, your hormonal. I mean, how can you separate it? There's no way. But I just noticed that immediately, right? So um, so coffee, it brings those issues. It usually has a lot of toxins, mycotoxins. And so you're already overworked. You've done too much. You've performed too much because, you know, society kind of like demands it and you're working for it. Um, so then you drink coffee because you're low and then you go into the sleep hacking idea. If you don't understand it well, you go into the, I can sleep less and I'll do more. I did that. <laughs> it was terrible, right? But you get to the point where, how about I sleep more and then I don't require the coffee. 
Yeah, sleep more and do As a your rhythm. best work when you when you are awake. You're actually functioning at your best and you can do your best work with the least amount of frustration and dead ends and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. you're efficient. Let you're me efficient. ask you something quick. I, we've gone kind of way over time here. Not like we have a time limit, but just uh, we don't usually go this long. You can split this up into two. Yeah, two maybe. Podcasts. Maybe. <laughs> we'll just do it all in one, probably. You mentioned potassium and cysts. What, what does that mean? Could you explain that kind of quickly? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, cells pretty much start sweating, let's say. They've got electrolytes outside. You get a cyst, then that starts scarring, right? So in women, you can see that in in uh, on their breasts and other parts. Then you use iodine because um, uh, a certain form of iodine will pretty much, uh, part of it is in an well, ionic form. It's a free form. And the other part is a potassium iodine. So it'll pretty much just bind right to potassium bring it back to liver you excrete it that's how cysts and tumors in the mammary gland are um you know they 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 are protected and how even benign tumor tumors i've seen this they go down i actually did that with my mother so she had these uh huge i mean big cysts they were now she she didn't understand it but i went into medical records and she already they were already um tumors right so breast size like two more but they were these big mall big like cysts right she was like oh i have these big balls in my lumps you know in my my breasts and um doctors would always just like drain them and one of those times a doctor even punctured her her lung and they created the issues for the rest of her life you know so um so again medical negligence, not knowing how to do things. And those cysts are so easily reversed. I've seen it not only with her, with different women. So what, what, so doses typical, are we, oh, yeah. what doses are we talking about here with this iodine? And can I, can I get this clear if I understand this? So potassium iodine is a very common form of iodine, but you're saying when you said the certain forms, you're talking about a form yeah, that l- is l- not gold solution. So you're talking about a form that's not potassium iodine because you want the iodine yes. to go in and bond with the potassium, becoming yes. potassium iodine, and then that yes. potassium iodine will go to the liver to be cleaned? That's right. Yeah, what so doses, you can also do that in a nascent form, ionic forms, and it'll work. I've used both. So um, when you're talking, okay, so you can't put a flat number on it, but when you say like 12.5 milligrams, it'll usually saturate your thyroid right if you have any cysts there that'll also do its job um you need higher doses than that it really does depend you can go to 50 milligrams 100 milligrams even there's some people that go up to 300 milligrams right so um i think you already read some of the books of uh dr brownstein and uh so he usually go with dr it it was i think dr brownstein dr fletcher's and also um uh dr abram that pretty much really focused on that and taught them how if i remember correctly but going up to those megadoses not just pure iodine again you need a lot more of the rest of the things right the 90s 90 essentials or even others that are useful but you just see the the cysts and they they just shrink i remember it took about a year you know, and my mom wasn't eating like, oh, excellent at all, you know, but um, for example, you get those issues. You also, if you get the wrong, the wrong amount of, of, for example, instead of iodine, you get bromide, which is added to, to processed flowers, right? 
then you start having issues. You get some asthma medication. It's full of fluor and bromide as well. You're going, so to, you're, you you're just, going into some super details here. So let me, let me just clarify. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So yeah. Iodine so and fluoride and bromine are in the same family, right? So if you take... They're in the same family. If you're getting that, too much bromide or too much fluoride, like in your water or in, like you're saying, processed flour of any kind is going to have bromide added to it. it. used to have iodine. Now it has bromide. So if you're yeah. having too much of those ides, that will decrease your iodine. So if you have more right. iodine, it decreases those other things. Right. And... um. So, so when it comes to iodine, it's like that. Just like with cholesterol, we were talking about plant cholesterol and we were talking about animal cholesterol, right? The wrong molecule, it impedes you from absorbing. It, it affects your function. And in these cases, it even you lose iodine, right? So when we're talking about what is added to processed foods, that's a big one. And you need to detox. You need to get rid of that bromide and that floor and you need a megadose. I mean... That's the easiest and fastest way to do it. And um, so you can get people, even in their studies, like, oh, my God, it's, the doctor didn't know because you had, like, super hypothyroidism, like 0.001 TSH, right? Or, well, that's, um, sorry, that would be, like, hyper or a, a, a high number or whatever, you know, outside of the two to three range, which doctors use in general. And it doesn't matter because you're functionally optimum. So I'm like, how do you feel? Or do you still have goosebumps? Do you still have chills? How are you? Oh, yeah, I don't have any of that. How's your energy? Okay. How are you feeling in the morning? Oh, great. I'm sleeping better. I'm doing... Okay, so is this number so important? So if you don't put it into context, you're going to have an issue. That's the issue, main issue that I see with doctors. They have a paper. They look at it. They determine it by the paper. They're not even looking at the person right so that's where they have issues with functional and structural assumptions so iodine you know just megadosing 50 milligrams 100 milligrams i would not recommend a person do this by themselves um, they do need some help with it and then you start waning off i don't keep to those levels with the clients they're not necessary the more you have certain minerals and vitamins the less you require these other ones and if you're constantly doing it then it takes up space, right? You've got iodine and it's not that easy for bromide and these other ides to get in there. So it is a protection. Minerals are also a protection on these other, you know, amounts and forms of, of heavy metals or minerals or you name it. Let me ask you something again, quickly. I know, I know we're on our way out here, but so I've okay. got this one client and, um, He's got a growth. It's sort of like a cyst. I'm thinking, I think cysts and t- tumors are basically the same thing, by the way. I don't know if you have a different opinion on that, but to me, they're more or less the same thing. I have a man with a testicle tumor, testicle cyst, and he's got no other symptoms at all. This is why I don't want to use the cancer word here because I, I don't actually think it's cancer. He's, he's doing great otherwise. And in fact, he's taken this uh, scare of having this, you know, doctors called it a tumor. This guy's changed his whole life. He's super healthy. He's lost a ton of weight. He's feeling good. All this stuff. His tumor markers have come down. And I've got him on a general uh, protocol across the board. He's doing the 90. He's even doing more. He's doing lots of stuff. At, doing acupuncture. He's doing, He's got above and beyond. He's got the means to do so. So he's been doing quite a lot of stuff. I haven't gone into the mega doses so much with him. Uh, 
especially because I was happy with the initial results with the weight loss. And he, again, he's feeling good. He's looking good. It's so weird to only have one problem. That's such a rare thing in general. But he's got this one growth. And this month, I'm going to do a liver detox with him. That's his program this month, a full liver flush cleanse thing. Um, my question, do you think more iodine? Do you think a megadose of iodine would be appropriate for a case like this? I mean, I haven't seen it for... So iodine doesn't, it isn't going to do the same thing for cysts all around the entire body, right? It, 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 it goes to certain organs like so you're breast saying the, prostate. the mammary, yeah, the breast is and prostate are yeah. the key ones. Oh, I mean, those are important ones. I can't say it won't happen. Um, and he won't have improvement because again, he'll probably even have better thyroid function, right? And he'll have, um, he'll reduce his potassium levels overall. And that may be enough. You know, so I would try it. Um, something else is I would get him off chocolate or I would get him off caffeine, definitely. So I'm not a big fan of chocolate. So cocoa, you know, organic form, yeah, it will have its benefits, antioxidants and stuff, but it also does contain a lot of caffeine. And the same thing, you know, caffeine induced cysts or it'll just, you know, tip the the lever a little bit more to one side and um and then you can get assist. So I'd lay off of that stuff. I'm that, not a fan of chocolate right. either. It can be a it can be a bit of an irritant, but I never I just never really liked it. So and it's terrible for kids. Have you seen them? I mean, just give them chocolate, and you'll see. And they're like, "Oh, he's got ADHD." I'm like, "No, you're giving him chocolate. <laughs> That's it. And they're off chocolate. They're fine." Well, uh, yeah, I guess we <laughs> normally think of the sugar, but the chocolate could just. This is another thing I'm sort of just blind to because I don't really eat chocolate, so I don't, I don't really think about it very often. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of people out there who even identify as a chocoholic. And just like we said at the beginning, that might uh, very well be your biggest allergy, actually. Oh, yeah, it's one of mine. So, Yannick, I think we should wrap up here. You mentioned you do not have a clinic, but you're working towards it. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned your investment business to fund, you used the word, to fund the nutrition clinic. Uh, it's interesting because, yeah, nutrition is not a very profitable business. You know, whenever you get uh, people criticizing like, oh, that person's just trying to make money. In my mind, I'm, I'm always like, by promoting vitamins? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Man, I would pick a different career for more money, my goodness. Or yeah, an easier dollar earned, basically. A less stressful dollar earned. There's a lot of work to make money in here. I know an, um, an anesthesiologist in Houston, though, that he still has to be an anesthesiologist to pay to open his clinic. And he is, he just opened this here. It's called uh, Thrive, Thrive Clinic or Thrive Medical Center or something in, uh, in Houston. I think he's got another location in Sugarland. Nonetheless, the, the funny thing to me is that he had to do his, his more profitable job in order to fund what is the Passion Project, which is a you know, holistic medical center. Because, yeah, if you didn't know, I'm sure most of the listeners do, but my goodness, it's not an easy business plan to start to formulate. How am I really going to make a living in the alternative health business. It's not a simple thing. Insurance does not pay us. It's, it can be difficult. So you don't have a clinic. You're working towards a clinic, but you're taking clients now? Yeah, I'm still taking clients. Um, I'm doing it online right now because I, I, I still don't even have my stuff here, right, <laughs> to, to re- be able to measure. But I just use functional parameters. That's how I was doing it from Mexico, clients in the U.S., regardless. The results are there. You know, the, oh, I lost 20 pounds and you know, like month and a half or two months or I don't know. And um, so it's, it's, you don't really need it. You can, 
I mean, I use them, but I don't need it. So right now I take in clients that way. Um, I do um, evaluations. The first one takes between two and three hours because I really go deep. And um, after that, it's just sessions of one hour, an hour and a half. But that's when I'm checking out all the history, brain trauma, all types of, of different aspects. And, you know, it depends on the person how fast they can go too, right? You're not going to get much from a dementia client, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that can't even remember. They, they're just, oh, they're just stopping, talking, keep on going and you can't land them. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the way I'm doing it. They just contact me via my webpage or my personal contact information that usually is given out by uh, people, you know, by um, uh, practitioners or doctors and clinics. That's how I'm doing it right, right now. And yeah, like you said, yeah, you're not going to get rich off of vitamins <laughs> or minerals. And um, however, it is sustainable. And if you want to really be clean from having this motivation of selling and really going to, you know, getting um, the word out there and helping them out, well, it usually has to be more your money, right? So you don't have that pull from anywhere else. True. So Phoenix program, phoenix-program.com. I'm going to put that in the description, of course. I'm going to put your Instagram in the description. Are you active on Facebook or any other platform? I just use Instagram, but I'm not really using it for um, people sometimes contact me there, but I'm, I'm really just using the web page and my personal contact information. I'm probably going to work on social networking, all that aspect for, you know, for this commercial aspect, um, but it's still not there yet. It's going to, you know, probably maybe six months from now but for now just web page contact information they can look me up on instagram and i can you know just so 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 they can set up a session yeah cool yeah you haven't branded yourself and honestly i respect that i i've gotten sick of this internet world you know the whole crushing it thing i'm so grateful for the internet for what it is and and you know providing our lifestyle but yeah i don't want to brand myself either to be honest it's uh, it's pretty lame yeah. On yeah, that it's... note, do I have your permission to uh, use this video to make clips for for Instagram with your contact on it as well? Sure, sure. Use it. I mean, that's what we're doing, right? That's what we're here for. So, um, yeah, it's those awesome are what very, you're doing. They're very, very effective. Those clips, because you know, ten thousand people on the low end, or you know, hundred, six hundred thousand people on the high end could see that one clip, and it could make all the difference. And for us, certainly that's, we rely on it. We still rely on those Instagram clips to drive all the traffic. So yeah, hopefully we can drive some people your way. And Yannick, I really appreciate you sitting here with me. You haven't squirmed at all. We haven't taken a break at all. It's been almost (laughs) three hours here. I'll tell you, I'm getting a bit antsy because I turn my heat down when I do these podcasts. Sometimes I turn it all the way off, but uh, yeah, it's full blown winter up here right now. So I'm cold at this point. I want to. I want to warm my house back up just because it makes noise. Hey, my computer, it's like it's situated beside the vent. So when the vent's on, it can really disrupt the recording. So I make it cold in here. And yeah, now I'm cold. It's been three hours. The house is cold. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been cold. And especially you in Canada, huh? I mean, it must be way colder than Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's minus 13 right now. And the house. Is, oh, my uh, God. It's getting cold. What's that in Fahrenheit for you Fahrenheit people? It's 10 degrees Fahrenheit right now. It's warmed up a little bit. I'm Funny. still not in the Fahrenheit world, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't speak perfectly. Fahrenheit. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was funny. This morning I checked the temperature. It was still dark out here at, at 7 a.m. And 
it's like, oh, it's two degrees. Great, because I got to go out and shovel. And I was like, I don't even need a jacket. It's two degrees outside. That, that's fantastic. And I get outside and I realize, oh, whoops, that was Fahrenheit. Whoops, <laughs> it's minus 16 out. I'm cold. Oh, my God. No, no. Oh, oh, now that you mention it, you know, it would be, I don't know, um, right now that it's so cold for people to really get that a lot of the ways they feel and they also get more munchies and everything has to do with it. In the colds, yeah, more carb, we eat more carbs and less vitamin D and all that. Well, yeah, I mean, just just think about it. I mean, you're spiking, you have to move more to keep warm, right? And then you need more um, more food. And, and I mean, there's a reason also why people start feeling that way and there's less sunlight. So if you're trying to stay up longer, it, there's there's going to be a, a cost for it, right? But anyways, yeah, I just, now that you mentioned it, it's um, anyone listening to this, it's like, they're still on time to take care of that part. Like, okay, so take it easy, <laughs> right? It's, it's not a good time really to um, uh, be doing so much, you know, just no, we're back. supposed it's to fun. hibernate. These stories of these uh, primitive people, you know, the, in the Hunza mountains or Lake Titicaca, high elevation and stuff where, yeah, winter, they're not doing much. They're hibernating all together as a family in like a one room building sort of thing. Yeah. You know, they're taking it easy. And yeah, the, the sun, you're supposed to, I guess, just to sort of fold into what we were talking about earlier, you're supposed to wake up to the light and that light is supposed to stimulate your um, your pituitary to wake up, basically, give you the your wake up hormones. And then later on, you're supposed to get less light stimulation so that it stimu- it causes your your pineal gland to release the melatonin for you to get tired. But yeah, up here in the winter when it, the sun doesn't come up until eight o'clock or, and, and it goes down at like four o'clock PM, you know, yeah, you're, you're not supposed to be up at six, at six to 8 PM or something like that. You're supposed to have a longer time in, in bed, a longer rest. I think at least if you're going with the natural cycle, it it's just hard makes for me sense, to doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> In the winter, I mean? yeah, I look outside, 4.30, it's it's dark out. I'm like, I'm, I'm tired. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. I could go to bed right now, honest. Oh, and the time savings thing. It's just so ridiculous. You know, why, why would they move it and screw up all your rhythm? <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that, that'll be like for other topics. Yeah, um, we could definitely do this again one time. Uh, I, I appreciate this conversation. I still got a bunch of stuff written down that we could have gone into that I'm interested in, like skin antioxidants, absorbing antioxidants through the skin. And yeah, other stuff. We're going to leave it. I'll invite you back. Don't worry. All right. Yeah, it was it, it was um, it was really illustrating in certain aspects some things that you talked about which i didn't know and at the same time i mean i'm just grateful you know because i think this is the way that people really listen more and even us you know because it's like not not like ah there's a ton of us you know uh, really going into this and and going out there so it's always you know it's always nice to see that so thank you very much ryan and hopefully you know we'll get to talk about you know a lot more and and keep on going at it, you know? Absolutely. And yeah, people do tend to listen to the entire thing. That's why one of the reasons I'm putting so much effort into podcast as opposed to like YouTube, uh, putting aside the fact that we're demonetized on YouTube and they don't want health information out there and all that. You got to censor everything and whatever. Nonetheless, (laughs) still, nobody watches a whole video. Like even on the best analytics, like Mr. Beast, 
you know, people like, oh my gosh, he actually got people to watch the whole video. That's why everyone's so impressed by him. Wow. You know, he got people to watch the (laughs) whole video. Whereas on podcast, most listeners will indeed listen to the entire thing. So it's, yeah, it's a cool, cool platform. They usually do digest the whole thing. They, it is a great learning experience. I think very fond of the audio platform. Uh, besides books, I think these long form audios are definitely the uh, the best way to get in detailed information to really understand something or unpack something, as they say. I hate that phrase, but it applies. Hell, unlearn some things. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Yannick. Let me uh, let me sign out here quick. Everybody, I appreciate you listening or watching, of course. And remember, you can always find everything that I do on my website, notusbooks.org, including all the books that I've written and the free versions of those books, the audiobook versions. You can find them all on my website, notusbooks.org, as well as hundreds of book reviews and, of course, an archive of this podcast. Remember, those who are listening on the archive right now, stick around after we sign out because there's a special treat for you at the end. Thank you once again to the Patreon supporters. And if you would like to support this podcast directly, you can do so on patreon.com slash the real not us. You get these episodes all at least one week early. You get the video versions when they are available. You get some extra content, the band videos, the Zoom meetings and so on. And maybe some more uh, special stuff on Patreon as time goes on. And other than that, I think that's it. Yannick, thank you. Audience. Thank you. Stay healthy. Until next time. Right. Thank you, Ryan. Until next time. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.